Hey, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to Tone Talk with Dave Friedman and Mark Uzanski. Tonight on episode 40, um, our special guest tonight is Jamie Stillman of Earthquaker Devices. Jamie, how are you? Thanks I'm for joining good. us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. And Dave, what's going on? Ah, uh, same as uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Another day in paradise. Trying to trying to get new products into production. Yeah, like the JJ Junior man. <laughs> yes, 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 and the and the big hamp too, the B one hundred deluxe. Everybody's begging yeah. for that one too. Uh yeah. And I know there's not enough time in a day to do everything you need to do. <laughs> As I'm sure Jamie knows all about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it takes me years now to get anything done. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, I think the older you get, the more the more it's like, oh, okay. I yeah. gotta do this. Mm-hmm. Then gets distracted by five people that walk in your door, or, or five other emails, or ten other emails, or fifty. Yeah, it happens to me. I get bored and then just start something else to not finish. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've done that. So, uh, so Jamie, I've done that a lot of times. <laughs> thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you taking the time on your Tuesday evening. Yeah. To, to join us and and to share it out to the world that you were going to be joining with us. We appreciate that. Yeah. So um, you and Dave go back. You guys know each other for a while? For a little while, yeah. Yeah. The LA, LA, uh, LA Amp shows, I do believe, was the first time. Yeah. Well, well, I was. we were a dealer for you, too. Um, I don't yeah. know what came first. I don't remember. <laughs> Around the same time, I think, when we started doing those Van Nuys shows. Yeah. Which I missed that hotel. I haven't been there forever, but I felt like I lived there for a minute. I did. I, I did. When, when in its heyday, that that show was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know that that was that was fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, I always had a good time at those things. Like between the amp show and the pedal show, like it was like every four months or six months or something like that, and we would stay there for like four days at a time. And there's nothing yeah. to do there at all. Like, no. I felt like I lived there. I don't know. No, but you can. You can you can go sit by the pool if you'd like. Yeah, <laughs> try to scream over the airplanes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's fun. It was fun. That was fun for a while. Yeah, so so the, atten- the attendance sort of started to wane, shall we say? Yeah, uh, and uh, and it wasn't as fun anymore. <laughs> That's too bad. No, no. I think it could be done differently, maybe, but. Is that what's known yeah, as maybe the, no one's maybe no one's interested in guitar anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that people don't like guitar. <laughs> yeah. So guitar's uh, dead. I couldn't tell it now, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, guitar is dead. At least not in our hall, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been replaced by symbols mostly. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Remember remember when it was Hall D and it had the drums in it and you guys were in it? Yeah, it was Oh, that was bad. Horrific. <laughs> Oh, well, I exhibited in Hall D2 before, so I understood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you lose your yeah, voice after like the bad. first hour. Yeah. You want to just kill everyone. And... Oh, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I had to, I had to wait in the line to get tickets to that ultimate jam night, which was that set for Saturday night. So yeah. it was like Thursday, I waited in line in the drum area. And after about an hour of just waiting there, I was like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> and drums were your first instrument. 
Yes, but 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 not <laughs> an entire hall. Of yeah. I mean, drums are my first instrument too, but you know, I've all I I always I hate cymbals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are piercing. Yeah, they are piercing, especially when everybody's just. <laughs> you know, it, it's constant. Yeah, it, no, no one common beat. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's all. It's, over it's like place. it's like Guitar Center on a Saturday, but with cymbals. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what Nam is anyway. Amplified. It's just Guitar Center on a Saturday. We hide. I hide in my sound room. <laughs> that, you hear one sound source at one time. That's true. That's and, true. Well, and then there's the bar. Well, well I, this chat right here, just to go back to the LAM show, I heard, it says that it died when they let Fractal Audio and Kemper exhibit. <laughs> rough. Oh, wow. Brutal. But I will, I will tell you this. I did go to what I believe was a Fractal Audio, like, TED Talk that they had. And, like, I... <laughs> actually, I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> Let's just Come say on. it was brutal. It was rough. Just <laughs> There and they're like, and then you change the input write cap to 470 pf. Now here's 220. And after like five minutes, I was like, I'm gonna rip my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, I mean that's the level of tweaking. Some people love. Yeah. Some people. Love. So let's turn the table back to you, Jamie. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so you guys have come onto the scene big and and you know with so many great pedals, man. I, I'm oh, yeah, it's 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 really awesome to see all the stuff that you guys are doing, and especially I came by Nam and all your people were rocking and rolling with with the whole booth was just doing great. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know. I don't if you maybe. You, Dave, you think it's cool? We'll just start off, Jamie. If you could tell us, like, how you got into uh, doing yeah, this. Sure. Uh, I started. I mean, I'm relatively new-ish still, but like, I started in 2003 or four. Just, I had a broken DoD 250 overdrive. It was an old one, and I really liked it. And I bought a new one to replace it. It didn't sound anything like it. So I looked up a schematic mm. for it to see if I could fix it because it was just a pot. That was all that was broken. And I found General Guitar Gadgets, that website. So I was able to fix the pedal, and I was, like, all proud of myself. Like, hey, I fixed this pot. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and then I built myself a clone of that from the website and just got obsessed with doing it. Um, and uh, had zero intention on starting a company out of it. I just made myself some pedals, made friends pedals, and then... Little by little, like I think I made like a handful of things and put them up on eBay, and it actually generated interest. But I don't believe anybody bought anything. Like the first like, <laughs> couple couple months, things were up there, and uh, at the time I was still tour managing, so I was in and out of town all the time, and I was working as a graphic designer too. So that was kind of like my main job. Um, but I had a lot so of time. That's where the graphics come from. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's like. You know, it kind of marries the two things that I really like to do, play guitar and graphic mm -hmm. design. And, you know, that kind of translated into electronic design, I guess. Um, but, yeah, when I was on tour, I had a lot of free time. So I just kind of thought out a loose plan. Like, here is, you know, I'm going to have, like, this is what I would like everything to look like. And I'm going to start with, like, three pedals and try to be really good at making these three pedals. 
And then when I came back, that's when it kind of officially became Earthquaker Devices. I think that was like late 2005, early 2006. And it started with the hoof, which is, you know, based on a Russian big muff, a terrible, terrible JFET overdrive called the Spectre. Uh, but at the time, I was like, super excited that I got it working and it made <laughs> some loud distortion and then a pedal called the Tusk, which I really liked. And the Spectre fell off pretty quickly, but uh, the hoof kind of caught on pretty, you know. Yeah, that's a mostly, good one. Yeah, mostly from uh, Harmony Central. Mm. God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. wait, when you say you were on tour, so go back a little further with that before yeah. you started the pedal company. So what were you doing? Uh, I was in a bunch of punk rock bands, so I mean, I've been playing music my whole life. I, mean, I can't mm -hmm. remember a time where I wasn't playing music. I started as a drummer, and like, I know there's a photo of me behind a drum set when I was like five years old. Nice, yeah. Uh, uh, for a little while, uh, I lived, you know, my parents and I lived at my grandparents' house, and my uncle Danny was in a band, and he had drums in the basement and guitars and stuff. And he got me interested in drums, he, you know, showed me a you know, how to play a couple things. And I just kind of took off. I had like a natural inclination, I guess, to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I played drums forever and I didn't really pick up guitar until I was 12. So the drums behind you, um, yeah. they remind me of uh, Bonham. Yeah. Because of the see-through. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually, had, that's my first excessive purchase. Like once uh, I felt like, it was actually like right when we moved I'm currently in the original Earthquaker shop after we moved out of the basement, and like mm. within like a like a month of moving here, I was like, I'm gonna buy a really cool drum set. So I bought that from RCI. It's a Tequila Sunrise Vista Light in. Bonham. I was gonna say Vista Light, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's a Greta Van Greta Van Fleet drum kit. So my, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh boy, I don't really know anything about that band, but. People really love to give them shit. They love to give them shit, but my 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 take on it is uh, love them or hate them, it's a young band that young kids are going to see. Right. And it's a rock band. I, so I, that can't be bad for future bands. Right. No, it's good. Yeah, John. So yeah. opens the door, sort of, and they just want a Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> so... But Shocking. I was shocked about that. But yeah. High on Fire won a Grammy. And I got to tell you that I'm super stoked about that because that means something. Yeah, that's cool. Right. Yeah. That's so like a, Matt Pike's like a national treasure. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, this accessible. So, you, were, so you, you switched over to guitar. Yeah. So I switched over to guitar and like that's pretty much what I did. So from like the time I was 17 until I was like early 30s. I just toured in my own bands, really. And, you know, we would play, like, VFW halls and, like, kids' basements and, you know, anywhere. Drainage ditches. Didn't matter. And, you know, at the time, you could do that because gas was essentially free and you could survive off of, like, $100. And had zero intention of being, like, a famous dude in a band, but never really thought beyond, I'm just going to be in a band. So that's what I was doing forever. Uh you know, so I was played drums in a band called Harriet the Spy through the 90s, and then I played guitar in a band called The Party of Helicopters for like 10 years, and we toured all over the place. And eventually, you know, that stuff kind of died out, and I started tour managing for the Black Keys, and I did that for about five years. 
right? Oh wow! Yeah. Yes. And and that's exactly where I wanted you to go. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it fills in. It fills in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So and that's like probably right around the time where I also started Earthquaker too. It's like mid doing that, and eventually it uh, yeah, Earthquaker took over everything. So. So for five years you worked with them. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, I missed what what, what exactly were you were doing with them. Uh, so I got hired for, I've known Pat, the drummer for a long time since he was 17. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, my band party of helicopters had just broken up. I kind of had nothing to do and they were just really starting to take off. So they needed somebody to drive their gear from Akron to Seattle for a show for a start of a tour. <laughs> so I did it and, uh, kind of went with them for a few days like my memory's a little foggy on this, but I went with them for a few days, kind of saw what was going on with them and was like, you know, I'll be a tech, I'll be a tour manager or whatever. Mm. And then I think like the next big tour they went out, I kind of went out as like a driver slash tech. And within like a week, I think I was settling the shows. And then I just became like a default tour manager and was with them all the way up until right before the brothers came out. Wow. I think That's super cool. Yeah. 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 And I imagine they use your stuff too. I imagine. Yeah. It was like a good, you know, guinea pig and make a thing and give it to them and they'd use it. <laughs> right. Right. You play it loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Well then, so you started off with what, well, what made you decide to start off with those three pedals and what was like the plan? What, why did you? Yeah. Well, uh, because I learned how to make them essentially like, <laughs> it was like, uh, like I made that DOD 250 and then was like, you know, got excited by that. And like the hoof, the, the hoof was like really experimenting with like, what, what does what in a big muff circuit and, uh, you know, pulling things out. And, you know, I was not, I was like pretty clueless at the time like i didn't even know breadboards existed like the electronics part of it wasn't the thing that got me excited it was the sound like i could make things mm -hmm. to make my guitar sound the way i wanted it to sound like that's the thing that i was really excited about so like i wasn't like researching a ton of stuff it's reading a lot of like geo effects and uh you know just all those diy websites that were around yeah uh, try, try to gain as much knowledge as you could yeah, and just like be like, okay, well, now this is doing this. Let me Google like what my problem is and like find like threads about it or whatever. Um, so that was like the learning curve. And like, I wasn't like, what I was going to say is like, I didn't do a lot of research. I didn't even know breadboards existed. So I was doing everything. Like, I'd build a whole big muff on perf board, like point to point, and it wouldn't work. And I'd just throw it away and start over again. <laughs> it wasn't until like a year into it where I was like, oh, there's a thing that makes this really easy. And that's when like things really kind of took off for me. And, you know, it started like anybody started like taking an old circuit, seeing what, how it works, seeing what makes, you know, a difference and mm -hmm. just kind of going from there. Um, and I learned a lot from doing it that way. Pretty quick. That's cool. Yeah. So then what was the next phase? How did, how did it go? The first like real kind of unique Thing was the disaster transport delay, which was like a it's a, 
at the time there weren't really a lot of like delays like in the boutique pedal market um and it's based on a karaoke ic a pt2399 now it's like commonplace old hat uh but it had a really unique modulation to it it was like uh like a sawtooth or a ramp rather it would just climb and like rapidly drop off and it just sounded super interesting to me and that i think you know, the hoof was kind of getting a little bit of notoriety on Harmony Central and forums and stuff like that. And I feel like the disaster transport was a thing where people were like, whoa, what is that? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the turning point. And that was also the start of like just being a little bit more original, I think, in, in some of the designs. Yeah. And like, like and Dave was saying also, just to look at your pedals as well. Yeah. You know, just they they have a very uh, I don't know if it's intriguing or if it, there's something about you know like oh I want to hear what that sounds like you yeah know, kind of thing yeah that's that was a big thing for me obviously having a get gra- uh, graphic design background is you know I just wanted everything to look like you want to play with it no matter what it did like mm-hmm. there's something appealing about just having it as an object and that's like. You know, it's superficial, but it's I to me it's very important. Mm-hmm. Just that you know you want to play it, and a lot of the things that I look at like that, you know, a lot of it's just old, like old gear to me is like most of the time doesn't even sound good, but it just looks like you want to play it. They were trying to make this like super futuristic stuff, and in doing it, it just kind of looked like a space station, but like a '70s or '60s version of the future. Like, I don't know, that always appeals to me. All right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, what, speaking of the way pedals look, I'm, I'm curious of, of uh, your thoughts on this, on pedals that are, that obviously say like fuzz, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, versus, I mean, uh, you know, your pedals, there are other companies that it you don't know what the pedal does unless right. you read up on it or I'm curious of your thoughts on that. I know it's intentional. So mm, I've never really thought too hard about it. Like are the, so the original, I guess there's a little bit more background on that. When I first started doing it, all the pedals, I would spray paint them in my garage and then apply the graphics with a water slide decal. And when I was doing that, you could, you know, I did hundreds of them that way. You could do it you could have really fine print. So like Earthquaker devices could be really small and still legible and like underneath what the name of the pedal was, it would say what the pedal did. Mm-hmm. Eventually I got too busy to keep doing that. So I had to start getting <laughs> screen printed. The screen printing, you you only have so much detail. So I made that concession, I guess. you. I just took off what the pedal does and put the name bigger underneath it. And I've never really looked back since. I've recently thought about putting it back on the pedals but I also kind of like the mystery of it. And then there's like a couple things. Like, I don't even know what I would put on it. Like, what would I put on the rainbow machine? My instinct would tell me to put something super sarcastic on it, like garbage maker or something. But like, you know, like, what am I going to put on? I can't name everything. Not everything is a, is like reverb or, or, right. or something like that. So it kind of, sometimes it would just get really confusing regardless. We've had like, you know, people... <laughs> people think all kinds of weird stuff really like they're like whatever is going on in their own heads about like gear. Like we've had people come up and be like, well, this one's blue. So it's chorus. And this one's, you know, <laughs> so it's like, well, no, you're wrong. But 
please tell me more about that. <laughs> but I, I get that in some way. I, in some strange way, like, yeah. Like, if it was green, people would be like, oh, that's got to be a TS9. Yeah, like, there is some stuff like that, I think, that kind of goes hand in hand. But, I, you know, I do understand, like, like that kind of thought process. And I kind of feel like maybe it's just, like, based on boss, like, boss style. Right, right. You know, they would color code like that. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it is sometimes confusing to people. <laughs> but I, but I like the mystery of it. I, yeah, like, you yeah. Know, when I, yeah, when I first saw it, it, it was kind of like I think I mentioned this maybe to uh, to Josh Scott over at JHS as well, um, yeah. where I was just like, you know, oh, I don't, I kind of prefer, like at least I thought I preferred pedals that at least just said on it, like this is what it does. But I like the mystery of it too. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I like- I like mystery in things. We're not so secretive anymore, but I used to be real secretive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that, that stems back really far, though, if you really think about it. Think about uh, prescription electronics back in the early... You know, right. Swirl paint it and don't call it anything. There's, there's nothing on it. Did the experience even have... Well, maybe it had it on the side. Eventually it did. That company was yeah. always and still is to this day a mystery to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that guy. I don't know. I've never met him. Love Pedals, another like mysterious company to me. Like, I have no idea what's going on ever. They're always there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> prescription. I remember when I saw my first prescription the uh, experience pedal. I saw that. Oh, um, super cool pedal. Totally cool. It was a cool and, and somehow, I the guy got the swell thing to work, and it's it got it went back. You know, it did the backwards thing, and I was just like. But then he told me the price, which was $500 at the time. <laughs> and I was like, no, okay, thank you. Yeah, that's what they go for now, I think. Yeah, they've, they've gone up a lot. Yeah, they're expensive. They're, but but they're they're cool. Why? You know, I guess, does he still make them? No. So why doesn't somebody actually make that pedal? Like, clone it? Or probably. Well, I mean, it's, it's based on a Fox Tone machine. So there's been lots of people that have made Fox Tone machines. Mm-hmm. Wait, right, not piercing that... moose was a fox tone machine and, and French toast. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. French toast is a great sounding pedal for Yeah. Sometimes those little cheap things they're like awesome. Like you find that one cheap little pedal over the years and it's like, oh yeah, that one's good. It's <laughs> another thing I remember a bunch of from Harmony Central is people always mo- like everyone begging somebody to mod their chicken salad, turn it into <laughs> I don't know why that that out of my head. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> those were those were thirty nine dollars as it was. Mm-hmm. I actually just saw someone was selling one like a distortion. It was like ten dollars, and for some reason I thought about buying it, but I just passed on it. <laughs> would have been would have been cool. Um, so Jamie, Jamie, so take us take us through. So the, the next phase. So you know. So. You were in a basement. I was in a basement. Uh, let's see, like 2006-ish, 7-ish. It just uh, started getting... I got uh, my first dealer, which was Tone Factor, and then simultaneously got an international dealer, 9-volt in Japan. And that's mm-hmm. like... It really kind of started to take off real quick after that. Like, uh, starting about then, like, I was building pedals like you know, anywhere from 10 to like 16 hours a day. 
to a point where like I couldn't function anymore. My hands were just claws. Started going to a chiropractor. <laughs> uh, yeah, your neck yeah. hurts because you're hunched over the bench. Yeah, and then you know I was doing graphic design too, like real corporate graphic design to pay the bills. At yeah, first, it paid yeah. it paid very very well, and I could work from home. Yeah, too, perfect. Doing that, and uh, you know, I was at home with our kids, and Julie would come home from uh, bank. Job, yeah, right? from the bank. Yeah, first merit, and she would you know put the switches on the enclosures and the LED bezels in, like get it all ready to kind of just be put, assembled and wired. We did that for a good year or two and then uh, bought a slightly larger house because our kids were getting older and the pedal company was bigger. And like, I was just like, I'm going to run a pedal company out of the basement forever. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we moved like 2008 and then that is pretty much around the time where that, like, you know, we registered officially as a business and it became a full-time job for me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I wish I could assign some pedals to these timelines, but I am awful at, like, <laughs> remembering that kind of stuff. Even in, like, the, like, our Chris, our videographer, has been doing these, like, little documentaries on certain pedals that have been around for a long time. When we did the hoof one, I'm going to give this away. I was off by a year all the way through that thing. So everything <laughs> I say, I'm a year too early, I think. But uh, <laughs> um, It's okay. Uh, yeah. You were busy. So, yeah, I was busy. It's a blur. I started to do things, too, that were ridiculous. Like, I, you know, like disaster transports took me a long time to build, and they were kind of, like, in demand. So I just discontinued it rather than, like, have people wait. I was like, well, Ooh. I can't make it fast enough. I'm going to make simpler pedals. <laughs> and discontinued it. And then uh, January 1st, 2010, I hired my first official employee, Jeff France, who still works for us. He's our production manager. He runs the whole production area. Uh, we call him Fed. We've cool. known him since I was like 13 or 14. Um, that's and, awesome. Uh, once he came on, like that's when things really started to take off. Like I was you know, really busy, but didn't know if I could afford having an employee. And the second I got one, like, it just exploded. Like, everything, we could get things out faster and uh, kind of started to realize, like, you know, how quickly things were moving once we could actually get things out the door. So I brought back the disaster transport. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then we started making a little bit more complicated things like the bit commander and organizer and dispatch master. Oh, yeah, organizer. I love that one. That's Thanks. a good one. Thank you. And then uh, after that, like, we started, I started hiring people, like, once every six, six weeks almost <laughs> until, like, 2012. We had nine people working in the basement. Too many people in the basement. There's a lot of people. <laughs> in the basement. A lot of people, a lot in, the of people in the basement. Yeah. Hey, is uh, that that house you guys are telling me about? That cool house you guys have? Yeah. 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 Yes. Like an old Tudor that got restored before we moved into it. It's a it's a great house. Um, but yeah, we had all these people working on the basement. The bathroom smelled like homeless people lived in it. It was real, real rough. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we moved out of that into the shop that I'm in right now. And uh, that's when Julie came on full time and took over the business side of things. Yes. Which, you know, I should mention, like, that's like, you know, that's really the turning point in Earthquaker. When someone can run the company for you. <laughs> yeah. And like really knows how like, you know, business sh should be done. Like, in you know, 
I, but you know, I ran a record label too called Donut Friends Records that I started with like $300 that I saved from Christmas when I was 14. And I was putting out records like in my, out of my parents' basement. But, you know, for the love of putting out records, not to make money, but eventually that became somewhat successful as far as punk rock record labels go. Hmm. So I did that for like 10 years. And that was like my knowledge. Like I ran Earthquaker like a punk rock record label slash band because that's just how I knew how to do things. Right. All that essentially means is I made a thing. It costs this much money. You give me that much money for it and I will give you the thing. And that's it. Like I'm done at that Hmm. point. Like marketing, I don't know. Like it looked good, you know, like advertising or going out there and being like, hey, I made a thing. I mean, I, I certainly got really lucky in the beginning because I was not publicizing it ever. It was seriously all word of mouth. And it really, I mean, I got lucky <laughs> somehow. Oh, oh, it's, it's speaking of your first employee. So I got a question too. When did I hire my first employee? Yeah. Uh, this was in the early 90s, and the, my first employee was George Tripps. Oh, wow. Of Way wow. Huge. <laughs> well, he needs to go he, on here, too. He, That's right. he, was, my, he was my first uh, employee that I hired, and uh, he worked for me. I don't even know how long. Pre-Way wow. Huge? Pre-Way Huge. He wow. was just starting to make the Red Llama at the time, mm. just by hand in a bud box. Uh, pre, yeah, I was there for the start of all that. Oh, nice. So, and eventually he, he left to make pedals because <laughs> it started to take off. Yeah, he's doing okay. Yeah. Well, now he gets so paid. What did he do for you, Dave? Uh, he was, uh, this, this is for, uh, you know, rig wiring, making rigs for guitar players and stuff that I was doing in the early 90s and stuff, which, well, well, which I still do today. Um, uh, so he just a uh, solder monkey, so to speak. Gotcha. Yeah, early days. That's cool. Very early. First employee. Yeah. And no, he's not still with me. He's with Way Huge. So. <laughs> yeah, he's with Way Huge. There you go. Yes. So, um, so I'm sorry. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Jamie. Was it Julie? Did you mention? Yeah, my wife. So was it? That's your wife. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought I had read that. So she and so she runs the business with yeah. you. Or, yeah, so we kind of, I mean, now, there, you know, there's a ton of people involved now. But uh, when we, you know, she first came on, she just took over right away. Like anything that has to do with money, mm-hmm. she handled it. And I mm-hmm. you know all the design. And that's pretty much, to some extent, the way that it still works. But, you know, now we have like marketing department. And, <laughs> you know, she's got assistants and we have other people who do things that she, you know, both of us used to do by ourselves. So... But right. essentially, if I had, you know, you had to boil it down, I make the pedals, she runs the business. Um, and, you know, That's cool. when someone has time to think about, like, what should we do? You know, it's good. It really works. <laughs> <laughs> right. When someone's dedicated to just doing that as opposed to being bombarded. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For That's me, cool. it was just kind of like keeping up. Like everything that wasn't designing a pedal was like a distraction that I was trying to get through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now you guys, are, so you guys have grown pretty pretty large. So you now you're in a new building. Yeah, we moved into our current shop, which is about fifteen thousand square feet, in uh, about three years ago. 
and we have uh but by the time we moved out of this place we moved into the you know where i'm at now um uh we had like 12 people i think by the time we moved out we had 33 or 35 and now we have a little over 50. wow yeah that's a lot of people it's a lot of people uh but we just kind of continued doing the same thing i used to do when i was in the basement so it's like we have total control all, all over everything so you know most of those people populate circuit boards um you know drill enclosures things like that but they're all you know super you know knowledgeable about earthquaker like they've all done almost everything there is in the process of designing pedals and mm-hmm. you know all all extremely knowledgeable like when we do trade shows or have events at our shop and things like that they're all the people working it you know they know mm-hmm. everything in and out i probably spoke to about five of them asking where you were yeah during that <laughs> like, I think our most common question is where's jamie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like what they don't know is that they're actually looking for julie most of the time like <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's yeah, I'm, you know, I'm in like one of two places. If you need to find me at NAM, I'm either in our meeting room, but most likely I'm outside the door smoking. That's most well, that's what one one employee said. If you look out there, he may be out smoking. Yeah, that's like the <laughs> best you were meetings though. It's like right outside the door. It's quiet. That was uh, a quiet. Yeah. That's a good place to have meetings, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple little... couple things before we go go more. Let's just address a couple things in the top chats and stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, chatter kung pao. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe <laughs> that's all I want to say to that one. <laughs> to what? Yeah. He he asked he asked uh, e- EQD plus Friedman crossover pedal like an angry driver or Jan Ray tube screamer BEOD data corruptor. <laughs> Cheddar, thank you for the money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, yes, thank wow, you. Wow, I just saw that. Yeah. Someone else, uh, Gustav um, Bertelson, said, Mike, Mike, <laughs> Matt Pike for president. Love the show, guys. <laughs> so thanks for the money. And then uh, uh, someone yeah, else. Thanks, guys. Oh, and then Mark asked, um, Dave, any experience or feedback regarding Meza Barbara amps? Uh, many say the M0OD is a, and the Trinity feel and sound like an improved SLO amp. Uh, I, I don't really – I've never actually played one. From what I understand and from some of the gut shots I've seen, yes, very much SLO. So, oh, really? Um, very, very much SLO. Mm. Um, but um, the new one, I'm sure, is quite different. But but I think I think it's basing is starting from there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All these questions over here. I've had there was a question um, for Jamie and. Tim Timothy Pierce asked it, not Tim Pierce, not the Tim Pierce, but uh, Timothy Pierce, one of um, our regular uh, watchers. Yeah, so he wanted to know um, what's your go-to amp and guitar for when you're testing pedals, like your platform. Uh, for years and years and years, it's been the slightly modded deluxe reverb. 
uh, good choice. Just a 65 mm -hmm. reissue. All I did was remove the bright cap. I replaced the speaker with a hemp cone. Is it tone tubby? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. That, that yep. just, I haven't looked at it in a while. Hemp mm. cone tone tubby speaker. Yeah. A little, little bit more Celestian that way. Yeah. I think that's all I did to it. And I used the just the input one without the tremolo and reverb. Mm. I think it's a little bit warmer, a little bit flatter on that side. Mm. Um, and guitar wise, I somehow just stuck with this pink Nash Telecaster with uh, Freeland pickups in it, just mm. standard Telecaster pickups. That's like my everyday um, playing through this. I know what this stuff sounds like exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's what I use. But after that, I kind of take it through a bunch of things. Um, mostly I just use it in my own bands. My, my pedal board is on the floor over here, and it is full of potential future Earthwaker pedals. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a Marshall Super Lead through a Marshall 810 cabinet. Oh, yes. <laughs> the greatest cabinet ever made. I have bought and sold this cabinet a bunch of times, and now I just decided that that. Oh, that the Marshall 810 cabinet's cool. That's just what guitar should sound like, as far as I'm concerned. It is a cool cab. Uh, and the Marshall head is new for me, as about a year ago. But prior to that, I was using a Music Man HD 130, which I love. Mm -hmm. that. I love that amp. People think I'm crazy because it's a solid state. But no, some of those are quite cool. Actually. Yeah, I love that thing. But you know, I have a bunch of amps. A lot, a lot of weird things, mostly Ames producer. It was another favorite of mine. I have a 68 baseman that I really like a lot, a Tremolux. Mm -hmm. That's I use that a lot. And then a, what else? A Gretsch T16, I think is what it is. It's like a Supro clone, little 5-watt, five 5-inch five speaker. Uh, Harmony 460-something, which is like a uh, Thunderbolt clone, mm. old amp. Those are like some of my favorites that I'll run things through. And then guitar-wise, I've got so many guitars. It's embarrassing how many guitars I have. So I I understand your plate. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking up my wall in front of me, too, going, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I have too many. They're just like laying around my house at times. My wife has to move them just to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that I sell them and then they multiply. Like the ones that are left are like, eh, they might. Well, I have a problem occasionally with really weird guitars that I'll just find on eBay for cheap or something or, or reverb or something. And it's like, yeah. oh, look at that. Wait, mm -hmm. it's only 600 bucks. Okay, click. <laughs> Why did I buy that? Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I got a lot of those problems. <laughs> Why did I buy that? They're problems. Somebody's asking me, what do I like about Jazz Masters? Just got one and I'm loving it. MH333. So the Jazz Master is my favorite guitar, and it's mostly just because I have a beard and wear tight pants. That's the only reason why I like them. You <laughs> uh, can be a hipster. Yeah. Uh, so the reason why I like Jazz Masters is because my main guitar forever, when I was uh, touring a lot, was an Epiphone Scroll, an SC550. Hmm. It's a model they made in like the late 70s for a little while, but it's real long. It's like the size of a precision bass. It's, I have it here somewhere, but I'd rip this mic out if I go to get hmm. it. <laughs> um, 
it's just a big guitar like from end to end and uh over time i started to really like prefer the sound of like a stratocaster just single coil pickups i like lower output single mm -hmm. coil pickups so i kind of gravitated towards a jazz master which i had one in the 90s but i just didn't bond with it but i didn't know about all of the tricks like you know replace the bridge like angle the neck back so you can get some more tension on it actually have it set up you could replace the pickups so somewhere in like uh i don't know 2008 or 9 i got a really good deal on a 68 jazz master and realized mm -hmm. like it's just the length of it pretty closely matched that epiphone so it just felt more natural to me but it sounded a little bit more like a strat so that was the point that I kind of fell in love with it. And I love the vibrato on those guitars. Mm -hmm. So now I have an insane amount <laughs> of jazz masters and they're all wired weird. Uh, I pretty much my standard go-to is just wiring them like a Les Paul, just connecting all the stuff here. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And just using humbuckers. Uh, I've got like Novak humbuckers and there's a company from the UK called Creamery. I've used a bunch of their pickups and uh, I really like the Seymour Duncan custom shop, like 59 Jazzmaster pickups. Mm. I have those in a bunch of guitars too, but there's just something about the length, just the way they feel they play good. I also like guitar to be a little bit of a struggle. <laughs> they like the old timey radius, you know, I like that higher action. Yeah, well, no, I kind of I do like the action to be low because I learned how to play guitar on an Ibanez, like, uh, mm. ah, like a like, shredder guitar. Yeah, like uh, the budget version of the Steve Vai guitar. I think it was the the gem. Yeah, yeah, that was also a five fifty or something like that, five sixty, whatever it was. It was neon yellow. That's all mm. I know. Real like the wizard neck and real low action. And ever since then, like I like low action, but I like the is it seven and a half oh okay radius. so the radius is tough to bend and everything yeah yeah, yeah. that's the thing that i like although i got this really nice like a uh, war moth jazz master i put together that has like a 59 profile neck in like that compound radius that they do mm -hmm. god this is like i rarely get this nerdy like well, I, this is how we, we love getting nerdy. Like nobody, but, believe me, this whole show is built around this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the, the like a compound radius. Like, what is it? Like 10 through 16. 10, 16. Yeah. Yeah. At first, I was like, yeah, that's, that's too easy. That makes everything too easy. And now it's like, yeah, that's great. That was super easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then get some stainless steel frets on that and then it'll just glide. Mm hmm. Speaking That's of cool. weird, weird guitars, there's one that I bought that was a very weirdo that wasn't that long ago. Was a Guild SC60. You ever seen one of these weird shaped guilds? It's a set neck guild. It's 24 frets. And the SC60 has two single coils in it. You'd probably appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, Guild SC60. Really weird. This one's a you know, 70s brown with a black pickguard. And uh, the SC60 is cooler because the pickguard looks cooler. Now I got to look it up. So it's like one of the most comfortable guitars to sit there and play that you've ever felt. Oh, before. I have one of those. Oh, there you go. See? I didn't know that was. Mine's the S70, though. It has oh, three, or something? three single coil pickups. In it. Oh, okay. Oddly Same enough, it's, it, that's the guitar. That My guitar, my version of that looks fucking amazing. I bought it from Rock and Roll Vintage. It looks like it was caught in a fire. It's like 
Is that it? Yeah. Well, that, that's one of them. Mine, mine, mine has three pickups in it. The 60, I think, has two. The 70 two. has three. Yeah. Right. Okay. I don't remember what the humbucker is. But my uncle, my uncle Doug, had one of those, and that was like one of the guitars I learned how to play on when I was younger. Well, they're, they're really quick, fast neck, small neck, yeah. really action's really good. And, and, and it's incredibly strange shape, but when you sit it even on your lap, it's like one of the most comfortable instruments to set and balances so perfectly. It's, yeah. it's weird. I just yeah. bought it. I'm like, oh, man, that's really weird. I want it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, those are great guitars. Yeah. I'm that's actually cool. going to change it, though. I'm going to put too many humbuckers in this one. Uh, yeah. I kind of wish that would kind of cool. Had a little bit of hum, uh, just a little bit more output. Yeah. I, well, I was thinking mini, somewhere between the two, you know? Yeah. But when you were talking about that Nash Telecaster with Lindy Freeland pickups, like that guitar has got to sound great. It sounds amazing. Like it, uh, like it changed my mind on a lot of things. I gotta be honest. Like I, oddly enough, Dave, we were just, you were just talking about guitar riot. We did a clinic at guitar riot and that was the Mm -hmm. guitar I chose while I was there to use. Uh, and, uh, Prior to that, I wasn't like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't like the biggest fan of like relic guitars and was sort of a like, well, if I'm going to get a Telecaster, I'll get a Fender Telecaster or whatever. That was the guitar that like totally changed my mind. That guitar is amazing. Like it's the opposite of, you know, what I would typically gravitate towards. Like it's like a shell, not even a shell pink. I don't know what, what the, it's like a coral. Probably supposed to be a shell pink, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a funny, funny you say that because I have a uh, – well, since we do guitars now, this is the worst thing ever. Start making guitars and then f- see how you feel about – it's like, oh, that one's really cool. Oh, wait, maybe that's coming home with me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because building pedals was my hobby and it became my job like six or seven years ago, I started building guitars as a hobby. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, very loosely building. Like I would get the necks and bodies yeah. and- paint them and you know assemble them or whatever and like i kind of went overboard like i'd start this is kind of like you know pedals it's like i'd start one get bored with it start another one so at some point i had all these projects going on and it became overwhelming and started to feel like a job but like you know i'd get done with one and be like yeah this wasn't what i was hoping for and then start on the next one (laughs) well you know at least it didn't cost you as much right (laughs) And like a little by little, I've been putting them up on reverb here and there, just when I, yeah, feel like uh, it's time for it to move on. But it's always painful when you put one of your own builds up for sale. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I put that much into it, but I, I know I'm not going to get that. Yeah, exactly, and that's you know sort of the troubling thing. I'm always just looking for this magic guitar, and I don't know if I'm ever going to find the magic (laughs) guitar. I've come, I've come close. The 68 Jazzmaster is close. That Nash Telly is close. What, what is it that you're looking for? I'm curious. Oh, it's like uh, just the way... I can't even really know how it is. Will you, ever, right. <laughs> you, will you ever find the perfect one? No. Yeah, it's like you pick up the guitar and like it, once it makes you play guitar. Right. Like, and like write things you wouldn't naturally do. And then, you know, the way it reacts with the amp and... I change pickups constantly in guitars and like, you know, you know, I found that like pickups that I thought were garbage in one guitar, I could put them in the exact say, like I could take jazz master pickups. That I thought sounded like crap, put them in exactly another jazz master. And all of a sudden 
that combination totally works. Like that guitar has come to life. So it's like, you know, I'm constantly still, for whatever reason, tweaking for that. <laughs> always like one of these is going to be the most perfect thing. Right. And then, you know, the humidity will ruin the whole thing. So whatever. <laughs> well, you know, that's the prop. That's probably why we, we all own so many guitars, right? Because yeah. well, like, oh, I don't have that. So I might as well get that. Like, I, I still feel like I need to get a Les Paul with a Floyd Rose on it. Like, mm-hmm. even wow. though I have, I probably have 15 guitars with Floyd Roses on them. But um, why? I Because cause it's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good enough good enough answer. Oh, Sa- sammy got to you didn't he yeah oh well, sammy's is awesome too yeah i think he said it was an axis yeah but yeah i mean i you know him uh neil sean i've always wanted a, a less ball with a, a floyd i just bought my first guitar with a floyd rose on it no well i had that ibanez technically my parents bought me that for my first right, right. but i bought a, a neon pink BC Rich Gunslinger. Oh the, man! At the Gucky <laughs> Fair this year in Japan for ninety dollars. What? Uh, it is one of the best guitars that <laughs> I ever played. Wow! So I was on this hunt for a long time, and I still am. So if anybody has one, there's like well, careful, careful when you say that in the show. BC Rich <laughs> Gunslinger single pickup. I think the guy's name is Robert Nagel. Nagel. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. He made a handful of these guitars, and they're like women's faces over a grid. Oh, the na- the art Nagel, the art, yeah, the artist, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been hunting one of those forever, and uh, about a year ago, some guy put three of them up on uh, Reverb, but he would only sell them together, and he oh. wanted nine thousand dollars for it, which is too much. So <laughs> if you have one for a thousand dollars or less. Please let me know. Which brand did you say it was? A BC Rich uh, Gunslinger, the single pickup, and it like they're they're all the same. Like if you look them up, Robert Nagel, N A G E L, mm-hmm. it's like a woman's face over like a weird grid pattern of like shape. Yeah, very eighties. Yeah, CC yeah. Deville had I think all of them at some point. because uh, I remember seeing a Kramer that had that. Mm-hmm. I remember. I think and there were some Jacksons too. But in particular, the BC Rich, I love that reverse headstock. I don't know what it is about it. <laughs> it's like that, not the kind of guitar that I would typically be into, but like, I really like them. Gotcha. That's cool. Hey, we got a question here for you. Uh, this was from Michael Kopstein. Uh, he sent me this question. Can you ask Jamie the stories behind the depths and the avalanche run? He said that they're my, some of my most used pedals. Uh, the depths was my attempt to make a small univibe that sounded like a univibe. There's not really much to it. I probably built like 10 different versions of it before I ended up doing it just with LDRs, um, simple kind of op amp based, pretty much all pass filters, like just a phaser, uh, but staggered. It's not like a modded phase 90 or whatever i think a lot of people do that Mm. there's a little bit more going on to that um but it doesn't have the optical no it does it has it uses an led and ldrs instead of okay i got you actual bulb and you know runs off at nine volts um it took a long time (laughs) to get 
it to the point that it was at. I think I worked on that pedal uh, for two years, like almost the whole time that we. Well, it's not that easy because all the, uh, the 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 different tolerances of the little LDRs, yeah. and light bulbs, and, and yeah, gain matching the. Oh God. Yeah, and it's still a pain. Like the place I get those LDRs from are in and out of stock of those things constantly, and they're set, they're terrible at communicating. And you know, we'll buy. 5,000, 10,000 of them at a time. But every once in a while, like you're in danger of running out and it's kind of a panic. And like, it really just doesn't work without those. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Avalanche Run. Avalanche Run is the first. So we decided that we needed to have like a DSP platform that was more powerful than, you know, what we had been using, which is an FB1. Um, so. I hired a guy to help design a platform from the ground up that we could design a lot of different DSP, you know, based effects in. And the Avalanche Rum was the first one. And the goal with that pedal was we have another pedal called the Dispatch Master. It's a delay and reverb. It was a very mm -hmm. popular pedal for us. Uh, and, you know, people were always requesting tap tempo and stereo, and it just couldn't be done. Like that isn't that powerful. It's kind of maxed out where it's at. Um, so that was the first goal is how can we make something that sounds as good, if not better than that, and kind of retains all the things that I really liked about like analog delay too. Um, and then it has a somewhat unique way of doing its reverse delay, which we actually have a patent on. Uh, I was just as surprised as our IP attorney that it was possible to do that. And then we got it. <laughs> uh and then so explain that well reverb it's just a way of doing uh the delay where it's like kind of two delays one's it can do instantaneous reverse uh delay so you can cross fade between forward and reverse delay hmm. with an expression pedal so it's like two delays working at once in like a circle and the, the patent paperwork is available online somewhere <laughs> if anyone wanted wow to that's cool that's super cool um and uh, I work with a DSP engineer for that because it's not really my forte. And uh, we work really well together. And that was kind of the first thing where I really like sat side by side with somebody else. Um, and he's been in the industry forever. Like he worked at Line 6 and Alesis and all this stuff. And he's a great guy, really smart. And like we think a lot of like, like even though he just does, you know, code basically and develops digital stuff, like he thinks how I think, like everything must be physical and there shouldn't be like menu diving and screens and things like that. So it was like a really good process. Um, and something that I really enjoy doing, I've been doing a bunch of it, like, you know, coming up with a concept and working with someone together to get it done. Right. That's um, cool. Yeah. So that was a uh, first pedal with that. And it's, you know, it's done really well. First pedal with tap tempo for us. Mm hmm. Yeah, those are the cool. Good stuff. Um, someone asked a question, Willis Wham, is it hard to get endorsed by Earthquaker? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't handle that. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, there's like a, there's a lot of like stuff you have to fill out and a lot of requirements for it. Um, and really what it all kind of boils down to is are you 
you know, visible. Know. Yeah, like visible touring. Like, are you touring? Are you like being an active like musician? Mm -hmm. Are you going to do good stuff with it? Uh, which you know, it's kind of it's kind of like that's a gray area for me a little bit. Like everyone's an artist. Like yeah. if you play guitar, you're an artist. Uh, so I'll I'll clear this up. Terry St. Cummings. Too many dudes try to get free gear. It's sad. We don't really give a lot of stuff away. A lot of people think we give stuff away. We don't really give a lot of things away. Mm -hmm. um, usually, like an artist endorsement is kind of like an artist discount. I mean, yeah. you know, it depends on a lot of factors or some levels of free gear, but it's not all free. And I don't really think anybody's really doing that. It's expensive. No, 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 you can't. I mean, I thought you were giving out BE 100s, Dave. Like, oh, yeah, giving them out left and right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's our motto. That's why we have all the players we do. We yeah. just give them away. <laughs> <laughs> that's why everybody's coming over to Freeman. No, Did you ever even Jerry Cantrell has paid for all his amplifiers. Mm -hmm. I like go. this question. Would you ever consider sponsoring Vinnie Vincent? Such a that's, random that's name. The question, that's the so question? Name to pull out. Wait, wait, someone, no, wait. Someone so, asked that? Oh, now, now who are you addressing that to? <laughs> Only if I could go back in time to the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Mm. Yeah. Was he a kiss for a while? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, have you seen him recently? No. Oh. You, yeah. you need to Google, Google that. Okay. <laughs> but then he he was, he came out with um, that he was going to be touring and uh, cancel all the shows. I heard. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, it's very. It's a strange situation. So okay. <laughs> so, so, so someone goes to for me on here. Someone's only Jimmy Page gets a free amp. Yep. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yes, that's a yes. And if he, he likes, and it. we know somebody who's working with. If him. he likes that, it and going to use it, that was a super cool show last time. Also with Mitch Colby. I will tell anybody this to you. If Jimmy Page wants everything that I make for free, I'll give it to him. <laughs> I'll send him a box of care package. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, I got a question for you, uh, Jamie. Uh, this is from Robert Steising. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry if I say your name wrong. Um, did you name your company after the wrestler, the earthquake? Big fan of the pedals and pro wrestling. No, I actually don't follow pro wrestling, but <laughs> Earthquaker was. Uh, I had some friends in a band called the Minus Tide from West Virginia, and they would always joke about starting a heavy metal band called Earthquaker. And they yelled it enough that I was like, it just stuck in my head. And when I started making pedals, had I known it was going to turn into a company, I would have never called it Earthquaker Devices. But I was like, yeah, I got to put a name on this. I'll call it Earthquaker Devices. And then like when it started to kind of become a thing, I really didn't like the name, and now it's grown on me. I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Why didn't you like it? Was there any particular reason? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's just not, to me, it feels a little like showy, a little boasty, like earthquake or devices. And I'm not, you know, it's not, it wasn't the intention. I just kind of thought it was funny. <laughs> also, totally unaware of that earthquake or like P 
PA system thing that they tried to market in the 70s. Oh, yeah, I don't even remember, remember that. that. It's like a surround sound, like the first like surround sound movie theater system or something like that. It's huh. like a ton of bass. Never heard of it. Yeah. Someone asked Robert Stizian uh, says, what's the best shoe for being on your feet in Nam all day? Mm. <laughs> I like Nike Monarchs. I like anything that's super comfortable, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird. Like about three years ago at Nam, whatever shoes I chose to wear were super uncomfortable. So I went to an outlet mall and bought a pair of Echo shoes. Right, or like those are like they're kind of like secretly orthopedic. Mm-hmm. They looked all right, and I have actually been wearing those shoes ever since. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, that, that's age too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All of us, as we get older, especially standing on your feet on concrete. Well, what's worse yet, walking around it, ma'am, it gets even worse because you're on the hard concrete and there's no pad. At least in our mm-hmm. booth, we have a pad underneath the carpet, so it at least helps mm-hmm. a bit. Um, but anytime, I remember doing, used to do tech gigs and stuff and standing on concrete at a venue, like outdoor venue all day long, and, and your feet, by the end of the day, you felt feel like you're, from the knee down, your legs were dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yes, yeah. and then I see, and I see some young, like uh, I think one day at Nam, uh, one of our guys wore Converse, and I go, "You're going to regret that." <laughs> yeah, those shoes. And 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 and, and he, sure enough, he goes, "Dude, you were so right." <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Trust me. Yeah, it's a pair of Chuck Taylors. No, no, you don't do Nam in those. That's a bad idea. Yeah. No. Unless you're a very very small light person, yeah, I wore some <laughs> that's young some like slip on vans to the setup day, and I was only there for like two hours, and that was a bad idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Go no back com- to the orthopedic shoes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no cushion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. New Balance for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a set of Merrells I like that I wear. Well, that's cool. I never yeah. heard of Merrells. Oh, Merrells is a good high end shoe. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look into it. I need new shoes. Um, Timothy West says, "Hey Jimmy, what's your favorite DAM pedal and variant of tone tone bender?" Mm, uh, oddly enough, here I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna move with my wire. <laughs> These two. Ooh. Hang on, keep them up, keep keep them up. Ooh, nice. Yeah, one is the professional Mach 2, and the other is the mm-hmm. Red Rooster, Super Rooster. This thing is amazing with a Marshall. Mm-hmm. Wow. The best guitar sounds ever. They just happen to be here. That's weird. <laughs> Typically, I don't have like a bunch of pedals around here they're all in my basement and collecting dust so when we did when we did the show with josh scott uh, uh yeah he had he might have a problem with the pedal collection thing yeah i got a real he, he might he might have a big problem <laughs> not, not only not only will not only does he have one of them but he has every color and every version of the yeah. same pedal that has ever been done yeah and i'm not he, you, you like look at it and you go, really? There's four clones right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that bad. Yeah. I, guess. I do have two clones, and I got to tell you, I don't. It's not a favorite pedal of mine. Mm. 
but you know, I have, I guess I have them. They, the one, the one in the big enclosure looks great. Such oh, a yeah. good looking pill. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Um, have you ever gooped your electronics? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> why, why? Why do that? It doesn't really matter because even if you goop your electronics, guess what? Yeah. Some person is going to pick it apart and figure it out anyway. Yeah. It is true. I don't know. I've never thought they need to be too secret. And then there'll be like four or five, ten people that build the pedals after they figure it out. And then that's about it. Doesn't yeah. really hurt yeah. your business anyway. Right. No. Because most people can't possibly hold a solder iron, let alone uh, read the schematic. I used to go looking for that kind of stuff because I kind of found it fascinating. Like that, uh, what's that website? Free stomp. stomp. Boxes. Yeah, free stomp boxes. Yeah. yeah. Or like, <laughs> I, I made know. them work a little bit. I made them work a little bit on our BEOD. That took them a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was kind of watching it going, eh, not quite, almost getting there, but it took them a while. Yeah, I think I helped with something one time. I I haven't been there in a minute, but I did enjoy it. I liked watching. I don't know. It was just I understand. But like like uh, I liked watching them rip apart my designs because it's sort of like and this is a little bit egotistical, but it's like yeah, okay, yeah, sure, it's a pile of garbage, and I clearly don't know how to make pedals but I've also sold thousands of that. So, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, all right, all right, guy. Thank you. Right. Uh, I, I understand your feelings. Yeah. But then so, there'd, so, there'd, there'd be like times where like they would point out a thing that I knew was wrong. Like, just like, uh, you know, whatever, like these traces are a little bit too close together or something like that, but this is the only place it could fit. No one will know. And then <laughs> there, there they are X-raying the circuit board. Who knows how, Mm-hmm. Fine, fine, but uh, that's hysterical. Yeah, I never, never gooped any honey. <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't realize that people go go that far. There's what's the name of that site? Free stomp boxes, I think. And if they just these people are just ripping apart the yeah uh, freestompboxes.org. Every pedal known to mankind, you can find. It's completely find backward it. engineered. And, Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I mean not everything, but a lot of stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't Crazy. know. I don't know if they're still doing it or whatever, but yeah, they are. They're still there. Oh, great. Well, wow. <laughs> enjoyable for a minute, nice. and then infuriating at the same time. But I know, can whatever. It's yeah, helpful. Well. It's helpful for some people. I mean, that's just the modern version of like general guitar gadgets or whatever. It's like for angry people, though. But I mean, it's 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 helpful. I think for people learning how to do stuff, like seeing what other people do. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's how, well, that's how you learn anything is you pour over schematics of other things and, you know, like, and like, oh, they did it that way. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. You know, just, just like everything. It's just, the, yeah. the Fender 410 basement was taken from the RCA tube manual. So obviously someone poured over that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then Marshall just stole the 410 basement. Um, and then it, it slowly goes down from there. Yeah, right. pretty much. I mean, you know, everything at some point or another is just a basement. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Derivations of everything else. Um, Vans Voltron wrote something that really cracked me up. He said, isn't Nam all older guys in camp shorts? <laughs> and then he, no, he meant camo shorts. I'm like, well, 
certainly, Some. yeah, there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> I wore jeans, but I, I definitely classify in the older guy. Oh, actually, the third day I wore um, my uh, cargo shorts. So mm -hmm. the last day I wore shorts, I wore jeans the rest of the time. Yeah, I find jeans are better, at least for me. Um, I'm in shorts. I'm in California. I'm in shorts almost 24 7. Yeah, and I'm in Florida, so yeah. it's the same thing. I'm always in shorts, unless I'm traveling. I'm wearing something I else. Got, I got like a weird aversion. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a mental block. I got an aversion to shorts. If I'm ever wearing shorts, it means I'm about to die. It means, <laughs> it means you're what? It means I'm about to die. Or I'm on, <laughs> or I'm on vacation. That's the, those are the options. I don't know what it is. Like it, it can get real hot here. I just I will always just be wearing jeans. I don't know. Yeah, some people are like that. Some people aren't. Yeah. Well, with my legs, I should be wearing jeans all the time. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Willis Wham had a question for Jamie. Does Earthquaker have a pet a good pedal for brown sound? Huh. No, I would. I don't think we do. You know, oddly enough, that's like one of my favorite guitar sounds is like early Van Halen. I that's feel a like good one. feel like that's what people usually associate with brown sound. Am I right mm -hmm. on that? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's 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 what people associate with the great Holy Grail Marshally sort of rock tone. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't say that we have anything that really nails that. Um, I have attempted. Um, I have something that never really came out. It's all JFET based overdrive, but uh, yeah, no, we don't really have anything. I wish we nope. did. Okay. All right. Well, I think he left it for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's great. That's a great pedal. The BOD? Yeah. Yeah. It is a great pedal. It's got gain. It does. <laughs> Lots of gain. Hey, you know what, Dave? I was messing with the um, the deluxe, the BOD deluxe. Oh, yeah. That's um, more versatile. Yeah, it is. But you know what? You can. I, I, uh, I'm telling you. I went into... Um, the back, and I mess with the uh, the dip switch, you know, or at least the trim pots, uh, the yeah. trim pots in there, yeah, because I I wanted more gain because it was backed off pretty much. There was a you know, so I made the the higher gain channel even more higher gain, and it sounded great. So remember this talk we've had: play with less gain. Yes. No, no, just for the upper channel, I wanted. <laughs> <higher gain. laughs> Yes, but I do. I can't that. win. I can't win. You know, it's like some people want it the high, super high gain, and other people are like, "Oh my god, it's way too much." I'm like, "Okay, you can back it off." Yeah, yeah. that's why there's gain control. Yes. Yep. And <laughs> volume control in your guitar and everything else. So. And then I put, you know, and then also, really, that pedal's really sort of made to go into a clean amp. Um, not well, not so much the the deluxe. The BE Deluxe, the, the lower gain channel can work in a semi-gritty amp. Um, but yeah, but ideally it was designed for clean amps. Mm. Yeah, It was designed to be a little pedal that you can travel in and play through a Deluxe like Jamie has and yeah. just get that raging Marshall kind of blistering sort of hard rock distortion. That's the idea of that pedal, so that's what it does. Mm -hmm. And that's a Brownstown pedal. So, um, Robert Bogdan says, is that a Mellotron in the background? It is. Uh, 
I got that a few years ago. Apparently, it used to belong to Mark Mothersbaugh. But oh, it, was yeah. in, it was in the basement of a doctor's office, like 10 <laughs> miles from here. Uh, and he also, apparently, speaking of Van Halen, has the board that Van Halen 1 was recorded on. Really? That's the rumor. Huh. But I don't know what this dude's deal is. Like, he's he's a doctor or a dentist or something, and his basement is like a full recording studio with all this crazy gear. I got that, and I got an EP3 from him. for real. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like 300 bucks or something like that. Oh, good. He's the input jack replace, and I still haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like like any good gear builder, yeah. if there's a project to do for themselves, yeah. oh, God, it sits forever. Yeah, you know what I have that is fucking nuts? I should actually get it, because I don't know what else to do with it than show it to people. But have you ever seen that pedal board that was like floating around the internet like 10 years ago? And it's like a spaceship. It's like a gold wedge. It's like somebody's 70s project. And they had like a claw on one side with a space echo. No, I don't believe I've seen that. Pia kit, like rack effects. No. And this amp, and it has this huge like 50 pin connector. Yeah. It was like making the rounds on the internet. I walked into my friend Ben's studios probably like six years ago, and it was sitting there. It was like he had this thing that was like this myth on the internet, and I don't know where he got it from. Uh, he was decided to get rid of it. I ended up buying it, and it's probably like the peak of this. Like, I will never fix this, but I want to. <laughs> okay. Oh boy, but it does. Because whoever made it is crazy. Like, it's a brand new space echo. It's never been used. But there's, like, wires out from every head and a jack for every <laughs> one of them. It's nuts. It's seriously insane. You got to send us a picture. I want to post it. Yeah, I will. There's, like, a little website dedicated to it, too. I got I can't remember what it's called. It's oh, amazing. I'll send you a picture of it. It's okay. Like, it's like, totally fun. Yeah, that sounds I, super cool. I actually asked uh, Analog Man. I think Mike, if mm-hmm. like, he would be interested in fixing that and a bunch of other shit that I have that doesn't work. Like, yeah, <laughs> those, like original like rack. Can I send this to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, and then he, his response was like, oh, I got 10 of these things. I can't, <laughs> I have, I have so much gear that I'm, I'm never going to get to. <laughs> it needs repair. But that yeah. thing works. I actually had to send the Mellotron away to Custom Vintage Keys in Burbank. And mm-hmm. he did a great job restoring it. Sounds That's great. Cool. Oh, cool. Uh, Robert Baker was in the chat. What's up, Robert? Um, looking there's, for... a, there's a whole bunch of little questions in there. Okay. So so many at one point. I, I've lost track where they are now. <laughs> Um, so Pat him, him old ass, what are some of your favorite boutique amp makers, Jamie? Me? Uh, Dave, <laughs> uh, Dr. Z. Um, I really like, uh, the looks of those Benson amps, but I have to say I haven't played through any of them. Oh, they look really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't played through them either. Um, I played through, uh, oh, the Tone King, the Imperial. was one of my favorite amps. I don't own one, but it's, uh, amps are like a thing that uh, 
I don't, I don't, I haven't gone too far down the rabbit hole yet. Uh-oh. Well, at least yeah. you have something, something to look forward to when you're done with the guitars. Yeah. I am kind of curious. I see this quote here. Earthquaker devices sounds like monkey and head of corn live pedal boards. <laughs> the what does that mean? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. No, but I would like someone to elaborate on that, I think. I'm okay. very curious what they mean. We have another top chat uh, from Andy Pessia. Uh, Dave, Andy. thank you for all your hard work. I play a small box 50, Bucks and Boost, Friedman 412. Weekend gig, I played that effing thing so loud that the bottom of my feet felt weird from it vibrating on the stage floor. Best tone ever. <laughs> thank you. Very nice. Yes. Play it loud. Yeah, it's meant to be loud. It's meant to be played. That's cool. Thank you, man. Thanks for. Uh... Uh, okay, I, I know. I see what they mean now. The pedal board I was describing sounds like the pedal board that the people at Corn were using. Oh, oh, yes, I know what they're talking about. Actually, <laughs> I was confused for a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you read them and you're like, you don't get them at first, and you're like, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we answered Robert Baker's question about your go-to guitar for designing pedals. So um, uh, the Nash Telly, uh, Robert Stiz and Mark, can we see your ink? Now, nah, no one wants to see that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one wants to see that. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, hey, you know, you know. I just thought of something. You just mentioned ink. You know what we should do? What's that? It would be a fun show. Is we should have uh, Bob Tyrell on. He's a famous tattoo artist, Bob Tyrell. He's mm. from Detroit originally. Also tattoos in L.A. He specializes in uh, uh, black and white portrait kind of things and, mm. and and also like kind of horror motif kind of stuff um amazing guy but he's a guitar player he's a lefty mark he mm. was in nam we've been talking about doing some uh limited edition tattoo art uh guitars oh sweet yeah that's cool if that we'll see if that comes into fruition but I'm, we can I'm, go I'm, we can go on a total different tangent and like yeah. music, music and tattoos. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't want to show off my tattoo. It's kind of weird. Um, but <laughs> sorry, man. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. You, you answered that question, Dave. Courtney Cox of Iron Maidens. Also, yeah. Also the uh, Kimmy Shelter of Starbenders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Jamie, um, I have a question. So can you tell take us kind of through like your you know, your products and like how you think of each of your oh lines, of, lines of products or, you know, just like what are some of your favorite pedals or some things that are new, like whatever you want yeah, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I think that that would probably be easier. And that would be easier than going through all of them. Cause there's quite a few of them at this point. If I, I mean, there, are, there are a bunch of them. I, I, sure. I actually haven't looked recently, but when I was looking, there was a lot. Yeah. There was a period of time where I was very prolific and I still am, but now we have like a real release schedule. Uh, so it takes, you know, I mean, essentially from the time a pedal is done until the time it goes to sale is 120 days. So it sort of makes it so we only do like for a year, but there was a time yeah. where like I would just be done with something and it's there. 
So yeah. that's why we have so many pedals in the line because it used to be easy to do that and now it is not. Um, some of my favorites though, I always have to say uh, speaker cranker is like the simplest probably oh, yeah, the one knob misunderstood pedal we make. Everyone thinks it's a booster. It's not. It is nothing special. It's just a single transistor gain stage with some clipping diodes on it. Very much like an electro distortion, essentially. Um, love that thing. I cannot play guitar without it. I, st I made it because I was using the Music Man, and it just doesn't break up in the front end, and that added just a little bit of grit for it. And then I just I tried to take it away when I got the Marshall, and I can't play without it. So that's like a go-to for me. Um, Eruptor, another one. Fuzz Face, absolute favorite fuzz pedal. Um, and the Eruptor is just my current iteration of it. Prior to that, I had the Dream Crusher. The Dream Crusher, yeah, that was great too. Yeah, and I like that pedal too. Um, and the combination pedal, didn't you have uh, the combination with the octave and the? What yeah, was that? that's the Hoof Reaper. It's like a yeah Hoof Reaper, like a super high gain version of a Tone Bender Mach Three and like mm -hmm. a Green Ringer style octave, and then the yeah in it. Yeah, I like that pedal a lot too. That was a good one. The uh, thanks. And the Eruptor is like my current fuzz face offering. Uh, Dream Crusher was before that, and then there was the Dirt Transmitter, and all those are kind of based on a fuzz face. But like that's like my go-to fuzz always, fuzz face style. Um, and the goal with that Eruptor was, you know, to everybody dimes the volume and fuzz on a fuzz face. If you don't, I don't know what kind of person you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you pretty much have to. Yeah, like if you're trying to pretend like there's ranges of volume, let's <laughs> say it's you're out of your mind. Right. Uh, and, so you know, tell me, there's no knobs in the eruptor then? There's one, and it's bias. In uh, <laughs> that's perfect. And uh, and then I did like just a little transformer pickup simulator at the input and buffered it. Oh yeah, to prove yeah, pick, fix the buffer problem. Yeah, so you can kind of put it anywhere in the chain, and it works fine. Um, oh shoot, I need one. Yeah, and uh, that that's kind of my go-to fuzz now. Uh, other ones that I can't seem to escape. Uh, Grand Orbiter, Phaser. Phase is one of my favorite effects ever. I feel like it's underused. I wish everything was phase shifted. <laughs> Nobody agrees with me on that. Uh, I love it. So that's one of my favorite pedals. Um, Obviously, Avalanche Run, Dispatch Master, Afterneath. I use all those things a lot. Uh, is there a reason Earthquakers, Reverbs, and Delays aren't in stereo? CNC, Tomatic, whatever. Yeah, I just don't really play in stereo. So mm -hmm. it's not really on my radar. Um, and I <laughs> pretty much only make stuff that I would want to use. Mm. But lately, uh, we get asked that question so much. They, you know, the Avalanche Run is stereo because of that. The uh, Pyramids Flanger is stereo because of that. There will probably be more stereo effects. Um, but it's not a thing that, like, really is even on my radar. Like, it's to me, it's, you know, when I hear reverb, I'm not thinking this should be uh, stereo. Like, a, you know. Yeah. Like, not like a thought process that I have when I go into designing something. Um, why do chorus and phaser suck volume? They don't. I think it's a perceptive thing. 
Mm. I think you're thinking of a small stone. Yeah. Well, you know, then there's some things that weren't made well. Uh, we have a super chat question here from Harmonicaster. Uh, Jamie, I make the Harmonicaster electric harmonica. What pedal types are based on shape of a guitar tone and which will work guitar on note. other guitar note and which will work with other instruments? You know, people have come through our shop and like through NAM with every kind of instrument imaginable. And my mind is always blown by like how it changes the pedal. Um, but the pedals that I've heard people play harmonica through, which, you know, excuse me if I'm like minimizing the harmonicaster, uh, the organizer sounds really cool. Um, speaker cranker, I liked a lot. All of the delay and reverb pedals. Um, but the organizer has always stood out to me, like with any kind of wind. Yeah. or like harmonica it kind of yeah. takes on a new character um i lost my place i had a question and uh i hate this chat sometimes like you just scroll dave and it just disappears well yeah because it's always putting you at the bottom and then you just yeah yeah i had a question but um it's gone <laughs> oh it's here yeah but I can't find it anymore um, there was a question I think from Robert Baker that was what it was, it was yeah. are, okay did you see that hold on Hold on. yeah I'm on sound off oh he's busy um, let me find a question for you Jamie mm-hmm. um, spatial delivery you like it yeah, I like the spatial delivery. I made it. <laughs> Wally Walters, which pedals are best for reggae that the Earthquaker makes? Uh, I don't know. A reverb? To be honest with you, uh, if we're talking about... Like, I'm not like terribly familiar with a lot of reggae, but if we're talking about like dub, I would say Disaster Transport Senior has a really good kind of lo-fi slapbacky space echo kind of sound to it and the modulation kind of reminds me of the space echo mm-hmm. that is used a ton on this like old dub records um uh was there a pedal that was a surprise hit for you i don't know who that's directed to but for me it was the afterneath was that why why was it a surprise for you uh, you know, I thought it was super cool when I made it, but there wasn't anything really like it. And that's always kind of tough to tell. Like it can go either way where it's just like initial excitement and then people get it and, you know, that's that. But mm-hmm. it has maintained for the entire time it's been out. Really, that's like, cool. really great sales. Like it's like one of our most popular pedals, and it was like uh, I had no basis for it before it came out. Like what? So, what are your newest pedals that are coming out or shown recently? Uh, the newest, the newest yeah, pedal is uh, Swiss Things, which is uh, first for us in that it's a utility pedal. It doesn't really make any sound, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's essentially 
my answer to all the problems on my own pedal board. Which, you know, oh, yes, I, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like interface and AB and this and that. Yeah. And a loop. Yeah. Loop, two, two effects loops, a tuner out and expression out for volume control, and then an ABY box and a booster. Yeah. So kind of contained all of these like utility pedals that I've had troubles with in the past into one thing. So, yeah, it's also it's very cool. Oddly enough, one of the most misunderstood pedals that uh, that we've made. A lot of people write questions. Have been, it opened the door to like a whole bunch of new questions that like none of our people are used to getting, and like things that really can't be answered. Like, how can I change my amp channels with it? And it's like, well, you can't. Or like, how do I put it in an effects loop? It's like, well, it is an effects loop. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of a lot of interesting questions. Uh, it, I think it's confused a lot of people, but it's 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 done pretty well. Um, prior to that, we did a limited edition pedal called the Black Ash, which is like. And there was a question here about that, which was uh, if you could tell us about it, um, what exactly is in the Black Ash, and then he says that prices are crazy now. So yeah, the prices yeah. are crazy. Like sometimes I, I think the prices are just like a joke. They're like they're like four hundred and twenty dollars or six hundred and sixty-six dollars. Like I don't know what people are looking for for real. But uh, the uh, basis of like topology-wise, it's essentially a tone bender Mach two with zero of the same parts that are in a tone bender Mach two. So every value is changed pretty drastically, and it's silicon, um, and it used two paper and oil caps for the input and output that, you know, believe it or not, I feel like made a huge impact on the sound. It was a lot like just rounder sounding to me. Um, and that kind of mellowed out the fuzz and made it a little overdrivey, a little growly sounding. And it had just a really interesting sound. Um, but when we decided to put it in a production, I could only get so many of the paper and oil caps. Mm -hmm. We just made a limited version, but that is actually something that I've wanted to do for a while. I wanted to, I want to do more because um, there's a lot of things that I feel like I made that don't really belong in production forever. I feel like, but I like them enough that they, I think they would be like cool for a little while to make. Mm -hmm. you know, the world doesn't need more like germanium boosters or like fuzz pedals, but some of them I think warrant existing at least for a little while um and my initial idea even with that black ash was to make like 20 and put them up on reverb but with a giant dealer network and international distribution it posed an enormous problem it's not something that we can really do at this point because mm -hmm. you know you have uh you know your obligations life. yeah to all these people so you know mm -hmm. everyone has to get some we figured out here's how many would make it so everybody could have some amount of them to sell. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a lot. It's 1,500, but it wasn't. Like, they were all gone, even from the stores and distributors in eight hours. Well, certainly when you, when you add a, a little bit of that myth about limited edition, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, they go quick. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't really prepared for that in, like, uh, you know, it looks and sounds like a great marketing tool, but like it was the truth <laughs> at the same time. Uh, 
but yeah, we still get calls every day for it. Like that's the downside, I guess, really is like, you know, not everybody can get it and people do kind of, you know, they buy them and they try to sell them for a bunch of money and that's mm. kind of, you, know, you can't really control that at all. But it is like, a, like from a working perspective, from a customer service perspective, it's kind of a little bit, you know, it's just more stuff that people have to deal with on a daily basis. So right. I kind of like, I got to think about that a little bit more too. next time we do limited things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know Robert Keeley just did some limited stuff too, and it seemed to go over quite well. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. I got a good question for you. Do you ever think you're going to run out of pedal ideas? <laughs> I wonder that too, <laughs> but at the same time, like I said, you know, like the way that we release pedals now, like, uh, you know, every, like it takes, it's like 120 day lead up time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's like rough, like that's just kind of pretty much like, this is how long it really takes to get everything in order. Yeah, sure. Um, that I really have, I'm still working from a backlog. There was a time where I was working from a real backlog. Like there are 10 things done, ready to go and we can pick and choose them. Um, and now I'm like still in design process, but like I'm like 10 different things. And I'm a little bit less, like I used to be like a little bit more picky about certain weird things like delay pedals. Like, oh, we already have two delays. Why make another one? Now I don't really think like that. It's like, if I have an idea, I kind of see it through to the end. And then at the end be like, is this unique enough? Or is it just sound good enough in general? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be the most unique thing on earth. It's just, I think it sounds good. Do I think other people would be interested? And that's kind of where it goes into like that process space. I'm sure it's a lot similar to how you do things too. Like, <coughs> but now I'm kind of just working through a lot of those ideas. But I do wonder, like sometimes I'll get through a thing and just be like, man, why did I spend so long on this? It's not that cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, We had a question. uh, Oh, Robert Baker asked earlier, Dave, uh, any plans for a Phil X20? Yeah, no. No. Probably not. No. I mean, it's really not much different than some other 20s. You know, it's not, there's not enough to offer. In that format, I don't think. Um, and then we also have a Adam Gothridge, Gothridge, uh, Gothridge, something like that. Sorry if I butchered your name. <laughs> he asked me. Uh, I have a sweet uh, SW forty five, which is a Sweetwater Edition forty five from Eggnator. Uh, and he asked me if I had something to do with that amp, or he thought I had something to do with it. Yes, I did have something to do with that amp. Um, and it, wonderful feedback with very little gain. I don't know if I can really elaborate on that. I, I, you know, I think, well, first of all, I'm having a hard time remembering what the exact circuit was that, that I helped put in there. So I really can't totally elaborate on it, but yeah, it was a cool lamp. Um, and you probably got it at a great price. And, uh, it's similar to some of my other stuff that I make. Mm. So we we kind of collaborated on it. Bruce had it to a certain point, and then I kind of tweaked it from there. Uh, Chris Nagy has a question. Um, what about the Jaguar, Jamie? Me? Uh, I have a couple of them. 
but it's not my ideal guitar. It's too twangy, too thin for me. Uh huh. Um. Gotcha. What did you think about Danny Gatton's tone? Love Danny Gatton's tone. Although I was not a, I mean, I great player. Just didn't. I didn't really like his original music. <laughs> At least that's for me. Um. Let's see. What else we got here? Dave, will Mullard or Sylvania Eel 34 sound great in any of your amps? Sure. And that is, can the amp benefit from new old stock tubes? <clears throat> um, well, they'll certainly sound a little different. Um, benefit. Um, that's... It, it, I find it kind of interesting because I've had two identical amps when one, one would have a... a uh, an old uh, German Seaman, uh, you know, RFT uh, EL34 in it. And then one would have an, uh, kind of the modern equivalent, which is an EH EL34 in it. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, virtually they sound identical. If you, if you turn one knob, you know, a half a notch. So um, <laughs> it's questionable whether, whether or not that the, I mean, granted, if you're using a vastly different style EL34, the Muller EL34 than, say, to a JJ EL34 sounds different. Um, uh, uh, the, the problem with the, the NOS tubes is you're never going to get them again. So, right. so then when you put them in and you have it that way for a while, if you want repeatable, uh, wanted to repeat this, you might not be able to at some point in time. Yeah. So. So I would actually generally I generally go for newer stuff and make it sound as good as we can with this newer newer technology, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, or crappier, however you want to say it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think modern tubes can stack up with old ones. They just sound a little different. Yeah, I would agree on that. Um, right Doug, one second. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'll be right back. Oh yeah, no problem. Go for it. I wanted to ask him how much time he had left, by the way. What else we got? We got some more stuff for me somewhere in here, probably. Uh, Dave, in a wet, dry, wet rig, and this was from Daniel Judge, is a solid-state stereo power amp better than a stereo tube power amp? Would you? What would you recommend? Neither is necessarily better. It's whatever's going to give you... If you're going to run dry in your wet cabinets, so when you say your delays are off, you have three dry cabinets of equal volume, then what makes those wet cabinets sound the most like the center cabinet? Depends. Mm-hmm. Depends. I mean, the Matrix power amp does quite well I, I, for, for that scenario. In the old days, we used to use H&H power amps, uh, which were great. Um, you know, the matrix weighs like five pounds and a two power amp weighs like 50 or more. So I don't know. <laughs> gotcha. We got another one from Mark here. Dave, do you have a, you played a Stevens nags? Yes. Great guitar. Quite cool. 
really big fat neck, especially on the second version of it. Um, excellent, excellent guitars. Uh oh, something from Vinny. Vinny Moretti. Vinny Moretti. Thank you, Vinny. Gents, yeah, I have two questions. Uh, this amp takes pedals well. What does that entail? Uh, a small batch of IE4 preamps. Can you elaborate on that preamp? Okay, Vinny, uh, what makes an amp take? Any amp can take a pedal well. Uh, it's just a question of is that pedal kind of made to go into a clean channel, so to speak, or a semi-gritty? Or sometimes if an amp is very dirty, maybe this pedal doesn't sound that great into that very dirty amp. You know, like if you put like a, a fuzz face on 10 into a already blazingly dirty amp, it kind of doesn't sound that great. Now, yep. if you put the fuzz face into a semi-broken up amp, sounds I think it sounds the best. Uh, like a Marshall up about halfway on an old four input Marshall where it's just crunching some and then take it over the top with the fuzz face. Cool. Mm -hmm. Fuzz face total clean amp. That could be questionable maybe at times too. Depends on the sound you're going for though. Yeah. Um, you know, but yet there's other fuzzes that might work great into a totally clean platform. Um, there's not one thing that makes it take pedals well, so to speak. It depends on the, the, the pedal. And as far as the IE4 preamp, uh, that was a great preamp. Bruce and I designed that together way back in 19... Well, Bruce designed it. I helped him tweak it way back in the early days and early 90s, I do believe. Very cool. What's what's the uh, basis of it? What's it sound like? It was Bruce's... I mean, it was the sounds that he sort of created and then I kind of helped tweak a little bit way back at that time um, based off mods that he had done previous. Uh, it's, it's sort of a, the idea of the preamp was a, a clean channel, a broken up fender channel, semi broken up fender channel, then more of a crunchy Marshall channel and then like a higher gain thing. Gotcha. All, just, all discrete, four channels. Okay. Um, and then the other question, uh, okay, you, we got, well, maybe um, Jamie wants to answer that question as far as amps that this amp takes pedals well. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, <clears throat> I tend to find any amp that has like a bright cap or any kind of bright setting. That'll mess up your pedal. Yeah, usually I don't like that with pedals. Uh, but, you know... If when I think amp that takes pedals well, I usually am thinking of some kind of 6L6 based amp, like a Fender clean amp. Um, but even those, you know, you kind of hit or miss. Like tons of people, I see a ton of, and I also I should say, I feel like that's also subjective because mm -hmm. I see a ton of people using twin reverbs with like giant pedal boards. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't like the way any distortion or fuzz or overdrive. Sounds like through a twin reverb. Yeah, sounds like through a twin reverb. Like, it just doesn't sound good to me. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that's relative. Like, just... I tend to like, depends, like, any sort of lighter overdrive boosty pedal. Mm -hmm. I, I want the amp to be semi dirty to begin with. Yeah, that. So that, like, if you're going to use like a tube screamer style pedal, it helps if that amp already is semi broken up. Yeah. Then it just takes it over the top and sounds great. Mm -hmm. 
tube screamer into a clean amp questionable eh, questionable <laughs> at best yeah uh, a, a boost pedal into clean amp well it's going to give you more volume yeah <laughs> questionable <laughs> uh <But> again, <coughs> it's sort of dependent on what pedal it is and what sound you're going for exactly yeah yeah and i you know most lower gain overdrives though i think the amp should be a little dirty period there's like one exception of that rule, I feel like. And again, I'm going to go back to this Music Man. Uh, <laughs> which which pedal is that? The, just the, mu the Music Man HV130. Even though it can be clean, but I think that pedal, that amp was designed to kind of roll off your high end. So it, it really agrees with a lot of stuff. But, so I got a weird amp for you that yeah. you would have loved, I think. Maybe you've seen one before. So I had Neil Young's. Baldwin Exterminator amp in through the shop. I have never heard of it, but I love it already. It's called you need to look it up. <laughs> it has uh, six, wait, is it six speakers in it? Mm. It has like a, a an eight inch, a 12 inch, and a 15 inch, two sets of them. It, okay. it, it's 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 super tall. It's like if you took a super reverb and made it about five feet tall. There was like a uh, a PV amp that was kind of like that too. It, it, it's super tall, and the funniest thing about it uh, is it has a handle on top, and we were like looking at it, going, <laughs> "Yeah, like who's gonna carry?" Did it? you have to be like the giant or something, the twenty foot tall giant, to pick that up by the handle? How what as good as this handle do? <laughs> but. That amp is super cool. It uh, it has a fantastic trem and reverb in it, and it, it's it's a solid state amp. But it um, it distorts so nicely, and it sounds so full, yeah, and it has this shimmer to it with this trem and reverb and stuff. Oh man! I just found this hmm. picture of it. That is an insane speaker combo. It's an insane amp. You just looked at, I just looked at it and I go, well, you know, I just kind of want one just to have sitting here because it looks so cool. <laughs> right. Huh. Look like it should have cool. come out of a bowling alley maybe, but, um, <laughs> but, but when, when we got it, uh, when we fixed the issue that was having and, uh, got it up and going, it was like, wow, this thing sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's unique. So we have a question from Spencer. Why do Line 6 amps sound so bad in the live setting? Uh, because they suck. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're talking about. They got like the Ethernet port on it, and you can put a CD in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other question, uh, does BAD use the same transformer, transformer suppliers for all its amps, Dave? And if so, I'm guessing the new SLOs will not have the Youngs. Um, no, depends on the, the supplier. No, there's lots of suppliers, like a ton of different ones. And, uh, the new SLOs will probably not have DeYoung's because DeYoung will not make them anymore. Um, but, uh, that is, uh, I, there, I, I can't really say, but, uh, right. But, but let me say this, that uh, there will be a suitable replacement. I'm sure it'll sound great. That actually might sound better. Hmm. So even Mike said that. 
So okay. uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it because that's a very important thing to us. So um, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, the others are off the table. It's an impossibility. It won't happen. Done. Can't can't happen. All right. Um, Jamie, how you doing on time? Want to go for like another few more minutes? Yeah, I'm good. I got time. I got like at least another half hour if you need need be. Okay. I was thinking we'd go for like 10, 15 more minutes, Dave, if that works for you. Yeah, it's fine. I'm good. Okay. That's a short one. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's a it's a weeknight. It's uh it's I'm I'm fading. <laughs> um Dave, can you Dave, can you tell me how you how to mod my ray gun I got from Steve Stevens in Chicago? <laughs> no. Yeah. Is that an actual ray gun? Do you get it? It's an actual ray gun. You know, oddly enough, that's the first time I met Steve Stevens in an elevator at the Van Nuys Guitar Show, the first one I went to, and I told him this, but the ray gun sound that's in the solo for Rebel Yell yeah. ending is the first time I ever really noticed the electric guitar. Like, mm. right, ah. man, that's cool. What is that? And like tried to figure it out. I never figured it out, but then I heard later it was like an ADA flanger, you know, flanger, whatever. No, I think, I think originally, I think originally it was done with some old lexicon PCM 41s. Ah, okay. And okay. modulated in a certain way and they'd run away in this weird way to sound like yeah. that. I love but that. Then, I think later he figured out the ray gun thing and, yeah, I told him that, and then he actually used an arpenoid. And his only response to it was, "Hey, I use an arpenoid." It came full circle, and then the elevator door shut. And I was like, "Yeah, that was a fitting <laughs> of Steve Stevens." <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, he does have an arpenoid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vance Voltron asks thoughts on the Moore EH lawsuit. Dave, uh, 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 whoops. <laughs> I, I've got to say this I don't know if everyone knows I mean I guess I don't really really know but like it's super hard for a US company to win a lawsuit in another country yeah yeah, yeah. So it's fairly impressive and if what they're saying is true that's crazy well here's another thing that's kind of i find kind of odd and i just don't know enough about this i i i i kind of don't really want to comment but um the more company is quite a large company mm -hmm. and with tons of engineers mm -hmm. i mean like it's a big company yeah and uh i know someone that visited the company so we that uh, you know uh uh it's it just it seems so strange to me that they copied the the software, but I I mean, yeah, I guess that is true. But I mean, if they clearly won, so yeah, I mean, it's in the if it's still in the code that it's copywritten by them. That's yeah. that's yeah. nuts. That is nuts. that's pretty nuts, and that was whoops. Yeah, uh, I gotta <laughs> tell you that I love the advertisement that they made for it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty funny. I think the uh, software pirates walk the plank. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so goofy, but really funny. But effective. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> it was pretty great. 
Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, uh, where I'm looking that? here, Jamie, favorite non EQ'd phasers, EQ, EQD phasers. Uh, from Guitar Guru Network. What's up, Keith? Ross Phaser. Uh, I really like that. Small Stone. A working Small Stone. Um, I also really like, I've got this, uh, what is it? It's called, I think it's called the Sweeper, which I think might just be a Phase 45. I don't know who made it. Really great sounding phaser. <coughs> a Schaller. Like it's in a wall enclosure phaser. I really like that a lot too. Hmm. Um, of all like the effects types, like I still have, I'd like have buy a bunch of fuzz pedals and overdrive and stuff like that because I still don't feel like I have totally nailed like my perfect overdrive or, <laughs> but with phaser in the grand orbiter, I pretty much got, exactly the face sound that i was looking for so i kind of stopped buying phasers <laughs> i don't really know like what's available now but those those ones are some of my favorites what's your favorite phaser your guys favorite phaser? Oh. i use the uh a reissue script phase 90 uh you know the 74 hand, custom hand wired one and it's modded by analog man I have original Phase 45 I've had since I was 15 years old. I love that pedal. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's more Univibe sounding than, uh, you know, a Phase 90 is. Yeah. Um, kind of a poor man's Univibe, so to speak. Uh, that one's great. It's an old block logo one. And then uh, I have small stones. They serve a purpose. I have um, script, script logo phase 90s, and I only like the original script logo ones because <clears throat> um, the vintage ones definitely sound different in reissues. Oh, yeah. Which is quite interesting. And I think, I think it has to do with the reissue 74 hand-wired. It's made the same way, but they use metal film resistors, and a lot of the original... Ones use carbon comp resistors in them. Yeah, a little darker sounding. And uh, well, yeah, the original ones have a little more like a, I want to call it juicy feeling to them. They 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 have this little more compression and a little more yeah. kind of analog gooiness to them. Yeah, They're just kind of cool. I feel like even just like that little addition of like yeah, it's lower noise and tighter tolerance for metal film. It will like in the peaks of that phase. Takes a little slightly the metal film slightly sterilizes a little bit of time. Yeah, it's like feel. a little clean or something. Yeah. Um, it, goes, it goes bright instead of saturates. Depends on what you're designing, I guess. And yeah. using carbon compressors isn't exactly the best choice these days. <laughs> no. I still yeah. love doing it though. Like I don't know. If I start making something that way, I'll just keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it makes, I mean, it, it, it makes, it all makes kind of a difference. Yeah. yeah I subtle differences, but. I used it in the Eruptor, and, like, I made the Eruptor with, like, what I would call our stock parts, like, eighth watt metal film resistors, mm -hmm. and, like, metal film caps. Sounds totally different to me. It's too harsh. And then yeah. I made it with, like, one watt metal film resistors, or, uh, sorry, uh, half watt, just to compare it against the half watt mm -hmm. carbon comps that we ended up using in it. And even that, like, it sounded 
different, like a different yeah. enough to me to like be like, yeah, I like it best the way that I started making it, which was, you know, yeah. make it like an old fuzz face or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that makes it all makes yeah, it makes a difference. Travis Travis Posey actually asked a question about the eruptor. Yeah, so can you tell me the story behind the earthquake or eruptor pedal for PRS? I don't know what that means. I saw that earlier. We didn't make anything for PRS. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so there's a, there's another question that just that caught my eye. Oh, I mean to go back to the phasers, I forgot a one, one important one that sounds great is the DoD four ninety. Oh yeah, that's great. It's a really good sounding phaser, and what I think is I, I really like the ones that are OTA based as opposed to like like a phase naughty like JFETs or the okay. ones like something that the OTAs distort easily. They're a little neutron great. phaser too, also cool. Yeah, yeah. The old uh, the old Maestro phase shifter with little switches, mm-hmm. weird looking things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, neat. Well, that I love, was more Leslie-like. Yeah. I have um, a, the one Maestro that's just like it's black wedge with one knot for speed. That pedal sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's in there. I've never looked. Huh. Um, let's see. Uh, I have some Earthquaker pedals. They are great, says Spencer. Thank you, Spencer. Um. What delay is the avalanche based on? It's not really based on anything. It's kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of things. Any plans to make a better electric mistress? Mm. Oh, boy. Not for me. That's like a... That's a... That's a pedal full of noises. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, uh, like, Hartman Hartman did for a while yeah. their flanger was an electric Mr. Space flanger I think I made all the flanger I'm ever going to make with the pyramids it kind of covers all the ground mm-hmm. I like in flanging um, any earthquaker pedals based on the shin fuzz yeah uh, terminal. The terminal was based on like the companion, like the God, what is that? What model is it? Fy six is the super fuzz. It's based on like the two knob companion fuzz, um, but my Jax version of it, the Jax branded one, which sounds pretty much the same. That is a horrible <laughs> sounding pedal, but in like a great way. Uh, I feel like if you play that Shanae fuzz uh, super loud through an already distorted amp, it's completely disoriented. <laughs> like mids are scooped in a way that, like, at least for me, it just like throws off my eardrums. Like, it makes me disoriented. Uh, I love that pedal. Not a favorite of others. So. <laughs> I love, you know, I love Mut- Mutron octave dividers are one of my favorite pedals. Yeah, that's a great pedal. Especially through a really loud amp. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know what pedal I had like total gas for was um, that plasma pedal. Uh, um, the Game Changer? Yeah, the Game Changer. Yeah. With the that pl- pedal's been great. 
And I, well, I went and listened to it, and I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has that same, like, sound, though, where it's, like, disorienting and terrible. Right. But in a good way, I think. Like, I'd mean that as a compliment. Uh, like, if you want a really nasty fuzz, like, that doesn't. It is very nasty sounding. Yeah. yeah. I love there's several great fuzzes from... Um, um, Oh, what's the company? Uh, uh, Death by Audio. Death by Audio. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, a bunch of cool fuzzes that they have. I love Fuzz War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really mm-hmm. cool fuzz. Yeah. Um, several others that were great. I love Death by Audio. I can't believe I just read your mind on that. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, well, they're truly some cool. I yeah, I tend they, to like fuzzes that sound like the world's ending. Yeah, and they they uh, nail that. They really nail that industrial sounding world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of fuzz kind of thing. Yeah, the they apocalypse well. is one of my favorite. Yes, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, was, I mean, the sound of it is amazing, and it looks great. Yeah, yeah. Good looking pedal. Tell us about the uh, the park fuzz because we just had Mitch Colby on, who's from uh, the yeah, park. Yeah. So I'm curious. Can you so, tell us- how that came about is a, a friend of mine, Anna, she actually works at Earthquaker now. At the time, she was working at Guitar Player, Guitar World. Uh, she was a friend of Mitch's and knew that Mitch was going to relaunch the Park amp, amp brand. You know, Mitch makes amps. Um, uh, and he was interested in doing the Park Fuzz pedal, and she kind of hooked us up. Oh, cool. To, to get that started. So. I'd actually, I'd met him before at like a New York amp show. He's such a nice guy. And, you know, his amps are great. The parks amps are amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it just worked out right away. Uh, it was a good excuse for me to track down an original park fuzz and buy it for an exorbitant amount of money. <laughs> and then try, and yeah. And then try to recreate it with modern parts. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think I did personally, I think I did it a good job. I think it doesn't. I think there are settings that sound exactly like the Park Fuzz, and then it kind of goes above that and under that in the gain range mm-hmm. of things. It's kind of hard to like totally nail a vintage pedal, especially when the one that I have probably doesn't sound like any of the other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of them sound the same. Uh, I am disappointed that I couldn't get it in the original enclosure because at the time I couldn't afford to do that. But I would love. To make it look just like the old one did too, mm-hmm. um, but you know, first and foremost, it was designing it for mon- modern manufacturability, the way that we do mm-hmm. it. So that's pretty much what my goal was with it. Um, and it's a pedal um, that, like a lot of times too. Like I'll plug it in every once in a while and be like, man, I totally forgot about like how good this sounds. Like <laughs> I, I enjoy right. It. It's like it's, it's more of like a distortion almost than like a true fuzz. Mm. Uh, Robert Baker has a question. Jamie, what pedal had the shortest development time? Hmm. Mm. I mean, some real simple stuff like arrows was very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's a little bit more elaborate, like the Bit Commander, I think probably came together in a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, that's pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times though that I'm not so lucky. 
<laughs> most things anymore will take like at least one or two revisions i just i i don't know i find maybe it's just me dave i don't know like uh i'll make something and it sounds one way on the breadboard and then i get it into an enclosure and i have to like kind of chase the thing that was on the breadboard because there's so many factors that play into that mm -hmm. They're like when you get it into an enclosure, some it, it, nine times out of ten for me, it doesn't work the same way it was working. Or sometimes you have to live with something for a while too. Yeah, and then after a while, you're like, God, I really don't like this. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I do more of that now than I used to. Like things yeah. will be done, and I will have it for like a year or more. Like there are things on my pedal board here that have been on there for like three years that I'm still like, don't know. This kind of works for me. It doesn't work in every situation. Don't know if other people. Will. Right. So I've been doing, a, I do a lot more of that, a lot more of sitting on things now than I ever used to. Um, the pedal that took me the longest was the pyramids. <laughs> How long was that? Over two years. Two years. Um, and, you know, it's all DSP. And uh, again, I work with the same guy who did all the code for the. Uh, avalanche run but it was like we went through like a million flangers just like what is it that we like about you know like the electra flanger ada or like what are all these elements that are cool and then how can we do some modern things and you know just sounds that i like in general and get it to to sound really good and uh there's a reason why flange isn't a very popular effect it's a very harsh sound Mm -hmm. listen to over and over again so there was long breaks in like working on it that's what i love about um we're speaking about van halen earlier i love that when he used effects like the flanger it was like for a sh very short period of time just yeah. for like as a accent parts exactly mm -hmm. exactly not like you know the whole song but it was just like this little piece that would you hear it and go "Ooh, that's cool yeah, very sparingly. To be honest, that's kind of like how I learned how to use pedals too. It's like I'll have big pedal boards, but you just use them here and there sparingly. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's it's almost like you're playing the pedals. Yeah, it's a little right. bit more like of an impact too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jamie, this is from David Cheon. Jamie, would you ever put modulation on the Avalanche run? And I'm just going to, with that question, I'm just going to run the bathroom and be right back. Okay. Uh, thought about it. When we kind of updated it about a year ago and gave it a little bit, a newer reverb, and the reverb has a little bit of modulation in it, but it's preset. Um, we kind of maxed out on controls on that pedal, too. There's like a point where it's overkill. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I'd probably leave it as is. Mm -hmm. I've been leaning more and more towards that too lately. Is just uh, limiting the controls. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, I so like that. Now, now becoming like a personal preference. If every pedal could have one knob, <laughs> great. But I feel that way about amps, but other people don't. I feel that way too. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's all you uh, need. I mean, meanwhile, I have a new amp that has like a gazillion knobs on it. And I'm like going, oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say. Well, it's cool. It all serves a purpose, but, and it's cool, but if I had it my way, it would be one channel. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes you need to have all the control over everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not making well. You're not making it just for me, right? Unfortunately. Yeah. See, I still I gotta get a little bit out of that mindset. I'm still like very deep in this. Like, what do I want? <laughs> yeah. Mindset. <clears throat> but you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, I gotta feel comfortable. Oh, yeah. God. Let's see. What else we got here? Who do you both look up to as pedal and amp builders? Ooh. You first. Me? Yeah. God. Uh, you know. He kind of touched on the amp thing already, sort of. Yeah, I did. I mean,. I think that uh, I feel like a lot of amps that I hear are like new amps. <laughs> this isn't like uh, I think you have done a really great job with all these amps, and like everything that I've heard that you worked on has been amazing. Um, you worked on that Wampler amp, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that, about that, it, yeah. yeah, that amp sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh pedal wise like uh it's hard like i don't i don't know like i don't like there are companies that i really admire and i really liked and have for a long time um you know just in terms of aesthetic and like what they do and their general vibe of a company and for me that would be damn and death by audio yeah Mm -hmm. uh you know i just i think that ollie and i kind of come from the same kind of background Ollie from yeah. Death by Audio. So obviously they resonate with me. But those are kind of inspirations in starting yeah. pedal. And then, you know, just things like MXR in general, like just their longevity yeah. and like staying true mm -hmm. to like, exactly like, the thing that they do. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the all the old MXR pedals. Yeah. Um huge fan of all those. They're always solid workhorses, great pedals. Mm -hmm. Huge fan of older boss pedals and, and the new stuff they've been doing lately with uh, Yoshi at the helm. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing really cool, great stuff. Obviously, your company, I've always been a fan of your guy, your guys' pedals. Uh, Death by Audio, for sure, is great. Uh, I mean, there's some cool JHS pedals that I love. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you know, Analog Man. Oh, I like a good sun face and... Uh, yeah, yeah, and, he, and he's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people for me to like. There's, I, I don't want to touch on everyone. I, there's yeah. actually a lot of people when I sit here and think about it that I yeah. appreciate and that I am friends with, and exactly you know, that's why we have so many people on this show from all these companies and stuff. Mm -hmm. We truly are all friends between each other. We're not. It's not like a comp. It's not like a competition thing, or I don't look at it that way. Yeah, I definitely don't. I, I always look at it like I'm going to make my product that I, I make. And if you like it, then you should buy that. And if you like uh, Jamie's product, you should buy his. Or if you like Soldano's product, you should buy his or mm -hmm. Bogner or whatever. There's enough room whatever for you like. There's enough room for everyone. Yeah. And you can't force someone to like your stuff. It's true. That's what it, you can't force someone to buy it. Um, you know, it's 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 got to speak to them to buy it, just like any of us that buy anything. Right. It's like you see a guitar you want, and it's like, oh, that one's speaking to me. I want that one. Mm -hmm. You know, or whatever drum set. <laughs> your, your Vista light there, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 
and I, and I do think everyone should be friends in this industry too. And, and, you know, we all can help each other in ways, you know, yeah, like if, 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 you know, you should have a relationship where you're like, Hey, where do you get this thing from? Uh, yeah. you know, and it's like, Oh, I get it from here. Where do you get this from? Oh, I get it from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, th I think that, that there's more of that that goes on than people realize. Too. Oh yeah. There's tons of it. And uh, I mean, I we try to be friends with everybody. What's the point in not being friends with everybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no. There's We're no. all doing the same thing, even oh, if yeah. it doesn't look like it to other people. Like it's all. We're all making stuff and selling it through the same networks in the same fashion. You know, no matter how different it is. Is a good question uh, from Robert Baker. Where do you guys think the pedal market is headed in 2019? Distortion, modulation, more of a combo pedal deal. What are your thoughts? There's a lot of pedals out there. Oh, a lot of pedals out there. I have like a theory. I guess not even a theory. It's an observation. Like people are trying to do too much with one thing. That's my general feeling yeah. on pedals nowadays. And I, you know, I'm not saying that's bad. People are obviously making the things they want. But for me... Like, I just always kind of go for the mindset of, like, you know, it can do a couple things, uh, but they should all be interrelated. There shouldn't be a kitchen sink because not everything is going to be good. Like, you just can't really nail everything if you're trying yeah. to do that. And, like, you know, if you have a pedal that does, like, 10 different kinds of effects, you can generally only use one of those at once. Right. It just sort of seems like overkill to me. Like it's just, I guess it's also just the way that I play too. And coming from a designer standpoint, like I just don't. I think like doing one thing super well, and if it's going to be elaborate, like let it just be like additional like features to the main focus of the pedal. But like the trend towards supercomputers as pedals, and, and definitely on amps. Uh, I'm not really on board, I guess. Mm. And I, I feel like I kind of see a lot of that popping up, a lot more of that popping up. Well, here, here's a question from someone. Do you think modeling amps will ultimately hurt the pedal market badly? Uh, no. No. I don't think so. Because, I mean, I, I, I don't know about anyone else, but, you know, the the – the pro I, I've been building rigs for people for all my life, right? And I've been programming things and doing things, yeah, forever. And anymore, I pretty much don't want to do it. I mean, not not building rigs, but boy, when we start to get into deeper programming of things, I'm just like, I just want to claw my eyes out. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it's. It's just like God, it's so much time spent uh, with sitting there tweaking and tweaking and tweaking to right. approximate the sound that you once had with your tube amp with your pedal board. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just like, well, just use your tube amp and your pedal board. Right. I mean, I, I don't. I, I, there's, yeah, it's a, I that's what I understand. And I still think there's so many um, styles of music out there that just do not agree with. You, you know, are you going to see the black keys using modeling? <laughs> you know, and no. Yeah. You 
it's 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 one of those things though too like with the programming of things and like anything where you gotta like menu dive and stuff you spend more time like you gotta love technology like you don't have to love guitar to do that you have to love technology Mm -hmm. and like at the end of the day when you're done with that do you i i don't want to play guitar like if i pull something out where i get a menu dive and like pull out a manual and preset stuff recall like i don't even want to touch the guitar after that i just want to go lay down (laughs) but you know it's it's fun for a little while like it seems you know but once you have to do that on a ongoing basis it just becomes a pain in the ass yeah but at the same time i do think there's a market for all that stuff there are people who love doing that and i I haven't really i have no experience with x effects but I've played through a couple Kempers and like I've never had to like profile anything or do it. I've heard that it's easy to do. It sounded fine. It sounded fine to me. Um, but I can tell you this is like lately I've been designing stuff through a headphone amp and it's a modeling headphone amp. And the first like week that I was, you know, working on something through it, I was working on a delay. So it was a pretty clean signal. I was like, this sounds pretty good. And then I started to hear it for real, like over time, like it's, it's the false, the like algorithm, like the makeup mm-hmm. of the fake frequency. <laughs> it's not pleasing. It reacts the same way every single time. There is no dynamics to it. There is no mm-hmm. magic in it at all, but it is a flat platform for a sterile sounding track. And some people's ears, I think, like younger people's ears, I think, are trained to that. Like people who grew up listening to MP3s and iTunes, like that frequency response is not annoying to them. Whereas, yeah, I, yeah, it's, yeah, I it would totally me. agree with you with this. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that that grates on me over time, and it's not like a digital versus analog or real versus modeling thing. It's just like that. There's that's a false frequency response. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like. Even though it's all there, it's not real, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. And I could hear that over time. And it grates on your ears. Like, it wears your ears out. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have it on certain albums that have come out in recent years where I'm like, oh, I can't even listen to this more than once. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. something. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so it's a little rough. But I do think there's a market for all of that stuff. I don't think a modeling app is going to take over one thing or pedals take over another thing i mean you know mm-hmm. there's something for everybody and all that stuff that's why yeah. the mxr has longevity right sure Our pedals are still selling obviously there's yeah. enough pedal manufacturers to ground yourself in <laughs> yeah this is true i mean you know not all of them will eventually survive but uh, right you know but but uh, you know yeah you'll survive over the fittest probably in that Respect. Yeah. So. Yep. 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 Um, oh, I, there was a question earlier. I don't know if you guys got to it from. Uh, it was from Keith from the Guitar Guru Network. Uh, any plans, Jamie, for a uh, Earthquaker Devices amp? Uh, well, <laughs> we did make an amp, and uh, it turns out it's not so easy to manufacture amps. So we kind of left it not at- for the right price point. Yeah, exactly. So we yes. left it at twenty. Um, and uh, oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I I would love to make amplifiers. I am not an amplifier designer. It was cool looking. Yeah, thanks. You know about <laughs> it. 
Send yes. it to Dave. He's seen it. Yeah. Um, uh, but we got a guy who works for us, Joe Golden. He designs amps, repairs amps, does a bunch of stuff. And he's got, you know, it's like his dream. And uh, I've got a lot of ideas and I'm very opinionated about amps. And together, like we talk about it all the time, but mm. it's, it, it's, it's hard. hard market. Yeah, it's a hard market. That's one thing, Dave, you would know better than anyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, for the love of doing it, I would I would like to, but I just don't see it as a reality at the moment. Gotcha. I have another question for you. I was on your website and something caught my eye, which was um, the Earthquaker Devices comic book. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about that. So that, yeah, Matt Horak. Uh, he's our illustrator. So all of the pedals, I think the Depths was the first pedal he did the illustrations for. And he's done pretty much every one since then. Um, with the exception of we did the Data Corruptor together. And then I did, you know, I'll say it loosely, the Swiss things, but there's not really art on it. But Matt has done the illustrations for all of those pedals. And uh, he's been a comic book artist forever. And that was like his goal was to eventually do comic books. And he started working at Earthquaker because we were all friends and he was working in the shipping, wanted to try the art on the pedal, ended up kind of taking over all the illustrations for new ones. And then he was going to comic cons and like showing off his work and stuff there. And he got hired by Marvel. Hmm. He does Deadpool out of the Earthquaker shop now. Oh, cool. Uh, wow. Yeah, he works late nights. Uh, usually comes in around 9 p.m. and works till like 5 a.m. just doing the comic books for Marvel. And then whenever we need him to do something for us, he'll do it. So the Octoskull was like before he got hired for Marvel, like an outlet for him to do a comic book based on all the pedals. So it was entirely his, uh, his idea. That's super cool. I'm a huge comic geek, so love it. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Well, I, um, Dave, I don't know about you. I'm getting pretty pretty tired well let me ask one question mark asked yeah. me uh dave can you elaborate on an axe effects in the loop versus pedals i know mark day used to use it with the be 50 when he worked with you and now uh i see you use an obscure dd 500 uh obscura is a cool pedal i i just put that on the pedal board at nam because we had it laying around and uh, i just wanted to throw a delay on there just to have a delay uh, and the DD 500, I love, I think that's a great pedal in the loop of an amp mm -hmm. and Axe effects is a whole nother level of stuff and more programming and stuff. If you just want a great delay at DD 500, I think might be better. Maybe because it's simpler and easier to use, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think maybe the Axe effects, if you just want to use it for delays and reverse might be a bit overkill. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I hope that answered something. <laughs> okay. Well, Jamie, it was awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, Thank you so fun. much. Yeah, man. Um, hopefully we got to a lot of people's questions and um, answered a lot. I learned a lot about. Thanks to everyone who used top chat. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. We do appreciate it. Um, next show. That top chat really makes sure your question gets answered. <laughs> I mean, sometimes true. it's hard. Sometimes we will miss some stuff or sometimes we'll miss questions and we don't, we don't 
intend to miss every question, but we can't sometimes answer everything. Yeah, and like I said, the the chat thing gets loopy yeah. sometimes. So yeah, um, exactly. It's kind of hard to follow occasionally. Yeah, I think our next guest is uh, Thomas Blug on the twenty fifth. That's my. Uh, that's you would my, know. Just tell me the week before. That's my. That's my. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I think it's Thomas on Blug the twenty fifth of right March of March. Okay, got no. It. Yeah. No. no. Yes. February. No. February. February. February 25th. Monday the 25th. Okay. Yeah. You got <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, that one's got to be at like uh, 12 noon or something, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Because he's in Germany. Yep. That's going to be a day one. And then we're working on getting uh, Rabia Massad. Um, not sure the date on that. We also have. Um, Steve Ferris from Mr. 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 Fame. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, sometime in the near future. Probably Richie Faulkner will be on also. Yes. We got to work on that. That's cool. We're working on that. Um, and uh, more to come. Actually, I have more another one that I'm going to pass by you, Mark. Oh, cool. All right. Sweet. Well, we'll be back. Jamie, Everybody check out Earthquaker Devices Pedals. They make awesome stuff. Uh, go to the website. Um, Google it. Any uh, People can find your pedals, Jamie, uh, everywhere pretty much, I assume? Pretty much everywhere. All right. <laughs> all the places. They're all over the place. Yeah. Walmart.com. <laughs> Amazon. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody, right. for tuning in. And Jamie, uh, Hank, Jamie, stay on for a minute. Okay. Yeah.